What's Good Games Podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and the funny stuff. I am one of your hosts, Brittany Braunbacher, alongside the Tigress, Christine Steimer. Grr. I called you that because you have an amazing shirt on right now with blue tigers. Yes, this is one of my favorite shirts. It's a good shirt. I like it. Thanks. The blue tiger, it's very rare. It is very rare. I believe. Very rare. It's only in yes. my dreams. Ah, so Simon, I am back from my vacation and I had such a good time (laughs) because I think I humble brag had such a good time. (laughs) I know I'm trying not to sound like that, but honestly, it was the first vacation that we've taken where we literally just had no plans for a week. It was wake up, go to the pool, have some drinks at the pool bar, sit on our asses, play some games, rinse, wash, repeat. And it was so good for my mental health, man. I'm telling you, it's just so freeing to do that. Yeah. Sit on your ass vacations are always great. Oh, they're so nice. It was just so like, I can see clearly now, but, um, it didn't start out that way. You see, because my suitcase got lost for a day and a half. Oh yeah. That's always fun. It was really fun. Super fun. Yeah. I uh, landed in Antigua. So I had the flight from Seattle to Atlanta to Miami to i call it antigua but other people say antigua so or antigua i don't know how the proper way to say it because i heard it pronounced so many different ways when i was there but it's an island in the caribbean and uh, i landed and we're at our baggage claim we'd been awake for probably 24 hours or so and all of the bags are coming around the carousel and we're waiting and we're waiting and jason's bag shows up and i'm like waiting for mine all like giddy and happy and then i realized that no more bags are being uploaded to the carousel so it was it was that fun dance of going to the American Airlines kiosk and being like, hey, you know, where's you my s- shit? Where's my shit? I need it. Because what's what's good about it is, you know, when you do check into a flight and you do check baggage, they give your bag a barcode so they can track it and see where it is in case instances like this happen where it gets lost. Problem was no one scanned my bag. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what? I just choked a little bit because I'm so surprised. <laughs> I, I have that effect on women. No, oh but seriously, God. like no one, she was like, yeah, we have no idea where your bag is. Uh, it looks like it might not even ever left Seattle. I was like, wait, oh. it's just like chilling on the Seattle airport. Is this a home alone, but with baggage? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. I need, I needed the dramatic music played and everything, but no, it just, no one knew where it was. And so what had happened to make things worse is, and I'm like going down a little rant here, but that morning, um, loading our bags into the car to go to the airport, the handle of my bag broke off and with it came off my name tag. Oh boy. And so I, I'm clenching real hard at this point and you're the, like, I'm just the, never getting my stuff back. I'm never getting my stuff back. Or but, it uh, will be waiting for me at the Seattle airport when I get that. 
just sitting there festering, you know, yeah. just like, oh, sad day. But thankfully, I did get it a day and a half later. Uh, it just, it made the flight to Atlanta, but it never got on the plane to Miami, and therefore, it never got on the plane to Antigua. So I went to the little boutique in, at the resort and got a swimsuit, a cover-up, and a pair of flip-flops, which, how much do you think that cost me, Steimer? $300. Well, 190. Ah, uh, okay, good. Yeah, because the little boutiques are just so freaking expensive. But, um, anyway. The bathing suit alone can be. Oh, well yeah, that was like. Bucks. Yeah, I think that was 70, and I think the cover up was like $70, and the flip flops, which make really gross farting noises when I walk <laughs> on them, were totally not worth it. We're like 50 bucks, and it was just crazy resort prices. But, Anyway, yeah, it was really nice. So this is just my little PSA. If you can find or anyone listening, find some time to take for yourself. And, you know, if you're like me, you relax when you don't have any plans. And that was just a lovely way to spend a few days. But we have some beefy news this week. Steimer, nice and beefy. A big log of beefy news. Oh, God, that sounds gross. Yeah, it does sound really gross. But before we get into undo, that, we have undo, some two control Z, control Z. We have some announcements for you. Number one, or I should say the first announcement is that we have some recent changes to our Patreon and how we run shit around here. And if you haven't heard, we now offer the epic membership for $5 at patreon.com slash what's good games where you can get an ad free podcast if that tickles your fancy. On top of that, you also get an exclusive stream once a month where we call it the happy hour Q and A live stream where we drink and take your questions and it's always a beautiful shit show and we also have exclusive vlogs that we do weekly so if you know that sounds like something that might you know float your boat sharpen your pencil flip your switch head over to patreon.com slash what's good games and also if you want to be a part of the show you can go to what's good games.com slash dear wgg and submit questions to us about the video game industry about relevant topical news and we will talk about it maybe <laughs> we will maybe answer you. We will, we will maybe, maybe ignore you. you. Who's Dep- to say? <laughs> yeah, depending on what we're talking about that week. Don't 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 be sad if we ignore you. We're not intentionally roll of the you. dice. Roll of the dice. Also, speaking of Patreon, this Saturday, April twenty seventh, are our Patreon exclusive stream. So we have our happy hour Q and A at eleven a.m. Pacific, and then our after hour stream from one to two thirty p.m. Pacific. And if you are a patron, head over to patreon.com slash what's good games and you can vote on the game that we play this Saturday. World War Z is a is a contender, which could be fun. What? Why? Because you're gonna shoot zombies. It's like Left for Dead, but I don't not. need more zombies in my life. Girl, yes, you do. No. Girl, yes, you do. And a fun video is now on YouTube.com slash What's Good Games. It's a video of how Steimer, Andrea, and I all met each other and how What's Good Games got started. We get this question a lot. How did you meet? How did you start this thing? So we have a nice, I, I was going to say beefy, but I can't say beefy again. I use that word too much. A nice, a nice video. It's just a nice, a nice video. down memory lane. Yeah, where we go down, yeah, like Steimer said, memory lane and dig up old tweets and it's a good time. And finally, we are going to be talking about Days Gone. The embargo is now up, and Steimer and Andrea had a nice, lengthy discussion about their time with the game, and it was about an hour long. So we're going to dedicate the entirety of the third segment to Days Gone and our review impressions of it. I was obviously not in town to have that discussion with them, so I'll just be giving maybe a few minutes of my impressions um, in the t- at the top of the third segment, and then we will insert their discussion about Days Gone. Sounds lovely. It's a good one. All right. And before we get into the news, let's give some Patreon shoutouts. Huge thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Lincoln Davis, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atir, sorry, I can never say your name right, and Mohammed Mohammed. 
And we got some new patrons this week, Steimer. Oh, boy. We got Joey Bragg, Timu Nikkinen. I hope I said that right. Timu, I recognize your name. Sorry, I'm butchering it. Adam Dar, Dorward Benham, Ryan Lawler, Bob Sanders, Terry Tip, Dan Skolten, and Game Bro Corey. Woo! May or may not be Corey Barlog. Yes. It? It's, <laughs> I don't think it is, but <laughs> it's definitely not Corey Barlog. But it could be, but it's not. We'd like to say thank you to our sponsors, Stitch Fix and Goat, for supporting the show. And first up, we've got details about a special offer from Stitch Fix. Stammer. Mm. Describe your wor- your word in one look. I almost got I got that backwards. Describe your look in one word. Casual, sophisticated, playful. What would you say is your word? Mine. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, casual, sophisticated. I'm molding them together into one. Sophisticated. Yes. It's a new word. It is a new word. Well, however you dress, Stitch Fix has the expert personal stylist that can help you look your best. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that delivers your favorite clothing brands right to your door. To get started, go to stitchfix.com slash what's good, answer some questions about your preferred style, and your personal shopper will ship you a box of clothes, shoes, and accessories. There's no commitment required, and you only pay for what you keep. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. Plus, the $20 styling fee is automatically applied toward anything you keep from your box. You'll never have to think about looking good again with Stitch Fix. I just got my latest Stitch Fix in, and it's this really cute, I think it's called, it's called a bomber jacket. Yes. It's like a, well, okay. I don't know if what you have is a bomber jacket, but there is a style of jacket called a bomber jacket. I think jacket. I read that somewhere. I'm so <laughs> new to this fashion world. There's all these terms that I don't even know what they are, but it's this really cute pastel pink color, which I feel like is a good look for spring. Mm-hmm, go, definitely. Yeah, there we go. And then these really cute, comfortable jean shorts, which I've always kind of struggled with finding a comfortable pair of jean shorts because it's like, okay, do they fit good in the waist? If they fit good in the waist, do they fit good in the thigh? Mm, yeah. Because. You know, sometimes it does it, and totally, then sometimes yeah. it looks like you're, you know, you're cutting off the circulation to your legs, and but the waist fits good, and it's just not a good mess. It's not a good look. But they sent me some really, really cute jean shorts that I'm like, holy crap, these actually exist. I could wear these and be comfortable. So I'm really, really excited about that. So you can get started today at stitchfix.com slash what's good and get an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash what's good, stitchfix.com slash what's good. Alrighty, Christine Steimer, she's so pretty and cool. I want to be like her. Let's talk about the video game news. Oh my goodness. That was so much energy. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Do you want me to read everything? I want to read the next one. So you read this one. All right, we got another, yet another story in this saga of are we getting a new Switch model. So this is called Update, Cheaper Nintendo Switch Model to Reportedly Launch by June. This comes from IGN. So they they posted an article, I just think like last month or something like that, and this is an update to that. So update on April 24th. A new report indicates that Nintendo will launch a new, cheaper version of Nintendo Switch by the end of June with a modest, in quotes, upgrade to the existing model allegedly coming later this year. And a financial report by Bloomberg, a small excerpt, suggests the cheaper Switch model is coming very soon. An outright more powerful version is allegedly not in the works, though details on this claim are sparse. Whether this alludes to a PS4 Pro or Xbox One X-like hardware boost or simply a series of hardware redesigns akin to the DS Lite remains to be seen. The report is based on claims from two unnamed sources, of course. 
These claims partially line up with earlier reports, which, which suggested Nintendo is planning on launching two new versions of Nintendo Switch this year. The cheaper model described in the Bloomberg report appears to be an attempt to boost sales growth and could very well remove things like vibration features to cut costs. <laughs> no, don't get rid of my vibration. No, I need The description of the modest upgrade sounds less like an all-new model, though it's possible it could still act like an enhanced version of the baseline hardware targeted at video game enthusiasts. I'm so, a video game enthusiast. Well, then, damn it, this is going to be for you, Simon. Oh, my God. How exciting. Are you excited? Are you super excited? Do you think this is actually going to be a thing? I mean, this is like the fourth report I feel like we've read about this since last year. I mean, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of rumors about this swirling around. So where there's smoke, there should be fire, but there should be, you know, so or it could be someone like, okay, this is what's actually happening. If there's not actually fire, there's two kids with like some really dry sticks trying to make a fire, but Mm. all they're making is smoke. That's also possible. So, that so I'm could not be, sure if there, yeah. yeah, if there's actually a fire or just two dumb kids. It, I mean, it could be the two dumb kids, but no, I agree with you. I think this is definitely a thing that's happening. It's, I think it makes sense. You know, Nintendo wants to capitalize on the 3DS market, and since that 3DS, well, 2DS, 3DS, the DS family is at the end of its life, rip in peace. It only makes sense that they want to try to convert some of those folks over, and the best way to do that is to put out obviously a, a cheaper unit. And if you look at the Switch's current price, which is two ninety nine, and if you look at how much you can get a two DS XL for for one forty nine, you know you have a hundred and fifty dollar price difference where you got to kind of like cut some fat there to make it appealing. And so the question is, you know, how do they do that? I think the first thing they would do would be they would remove the dock. Which, by the way, did you know that the dock separately, if you want to buy a new dock, it's eighty five dollars. What? Yeah, dude, like seriously, on Amazon it's $85 and it's normally I think 89.99, but now it's on sale for 84.99. That's highway robbery. Is that insane? Yes. I think now granted, like I'm sure that price is inflated. I I know it obviously it doesn't cost them that it's much a glorified to glorified HDMI port with a charging unit on it. <laughs> yes. Hot takes from Christine Simon. This is why we why I love you so <laughs> That's much. Literally you can tell what it, is. How it is. You can charge yeah. it on it and you could put it in your TV with an HDMI yeah. cable. That's it. That's what I'm Yeah. Real, real, real hot takes here. Anyway, so yeah, it's, if they get rid of the docking station, I mean, theoretically, if you want to take the $85, that takes a switch down to like 215. Yeah, that's right, 215. I think if they can get this down to 199.99, I think that's the sweet spot. I think people who've had a DS for a long time won't mind spending an additional $50 to get this upgraded new shiny thing, especially since they've probably had their handheld for so long. Maybe you take out the vibration, like they said, maybe you, I don't, I mean, I can't imagine you, they would decrease the resolution of the screen. Yeah, I don't, they better not. They better not. I'm trying to think of the jump from the 3DS to the new 3DS, and I think that was mostly better battery life, better guts, it was quicker, and they added a little like C, C stick nub thing. A nubbin. A nubbin. So it sounds like this isn't gonna be, you know, oh my god, the Ultra Switch Edition with super duper HD sexy graphics in a 55 hour battery life. Blah. It's more like an enhanced thing. But, cool. We'll see. I mean, this, you know, apparently it's coming out the end of June. That's, you know, makes sense. After Nintendo does their briefing, maybe they're gonna announce some really cool shit and it's like, hey, you wanna get on this bandwagon? We know you want it. You wanna get a Switch? Join yeah. the cool kids. Join right. the cool kids. Speaking of the Switch cool kids. Switchland, Switchland. Anyways. That was a, um, I don't know. Is that, is that a song? 
No, it was uh, sort of to the hymn of DuckTales. DuckTales. <laughs> Copyright strike. Oh, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> Not really, but no, it's no. fun to joke about. Anyways. It is. Um, so we have some more news for you about Persona. Persona 5, The Royal, will hit PS4 this year with new content and a new Phantom Thief. Ooh. This comes to us from Polygon. So Atlas will release a new and expanded version of the role-playing game Persona 5, titled Persona 5 colon The Royal, for mm. PlayStation 4 in Japan on October 31st. The game will come to North America and other regions sometime in 2020, according to Atlas's U.S. arm. That's a... Oh, we're saying it. that. I know. But, yeah. Can you yeah, imagine like arm. Atlas just has like an arm that's just like making announcements? Yes. Like, I would have said branch arm. personally, but you know, arm works. Um, so Persona 5 The Royal will add a number of new features to the game, including a new phantom thief named Kasumi Yoshizawa. I believe that's mm-hmm. how you would say that. A new confidant named Takudo Maruki, who works as a counselor at the Shujin Academy, and a new location to explore Kichijoji. Hey, sure. Yeah. Nailing it. Nailing it left and right. Uh, the game will touch on the student's third semester at school. So that's a new, that's a new semester, right? Um, theoretically adding, yeah, adding more time. It's not, hold on. Let me, let me keep reading. Sorry. Sorry. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. In a teaser trailer posted to Atlas's Japanese language YouTube channel, we get a look at many of these new game elements as well as others. A new dating location, which is an aquarium. <laughs> a new bar where players can enjoy games like pool and darts. There's also new animation and a peek at new characters in action. The 15-second English-language teaser trailer contains a little more than a logo and a release date window. So the Japanese YouTube channel is where it's at. According to the game's Japanese website, Persona 5 The Royal will also include elements like selfies sent via the in-game messaging system, new events with the twins Caroline and Justine, and new enemies to fight. The game will also support PlayStation 4 Pro offering visual enhanced visuals. Um, And also, this is sort of like... (laughs) A side note coming to us from IGN with the most amazing headline. Morgana is a hot human. So it also appears there will be a human version of Morgana, the talking cat who accompanies Persona 5's protagonist. A screenshot shows a male character with a name that translates to, quote unquote, handsome man, who uses the term (laughs) Wagahai, which uh, I think I don't I'm probably pushing that. I'm sorry. Which was previously used by Morgana in the original game. So, Um, I mean, slight spoilers for Persona 4 which is an old ass game. Um, but that did happen in that game with Teddy, who was like this anthropomorphic bear thing for a while. You weren't sure what he was. He was Mm -hmm. like a shadow, but then he wasn't. Uh, and then he was a boy. He was a pretty blonde boy. boy. And so actually even during this entire campaign of persona five, I was kind of waiting for that moment to happen. Yeah. With when it didn't, I was like, all right. So it makes me wonder. Uh, uh, I guess that was. Yes. We probably should have put a spoiler alert at the, at the beginning. A slight spoiler warning. Um, when when does that? How does that going to? How is that going to fit in? I guess in, I have no in idea. this right. That's the third semester. I mean, I don't know how. Well, so I think it's cool. The, um, yeah, I think you're right in that it basically just adds another chunk of time because like Persona games are about roughly a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't IDK. IDK either, but oh man, like here's reading what, this about. Go ahead. I was gonna say here's what bums me out about this is like it's still on PlayStation Four. Oh, and I'm like I don't, I didn't want to play it on PlayStation Four before, and I don't want to play it on PlayStation Four now. Well, well, 
Well, I mean, okay, like, I don't think, I don't think these new features are leaving PlayStation 4, but tomorrow, of course, like, I think it's 3 a.m. our time, Persona 5S is going to be revealed. What the hell is that? Cause Japan is hosting their, their super Persona S something, the Persona Super Live P Sound Street 29. I don't know what the hell it's called. It's like a concert thing or it's whatever. It's something cool. Anyway, uh, yeah, they're going to be talking about what Persona 5S is. And that could be Switch, but I would imagine that the Switch version, if that is, even is what it is, it might, it probably won't have these new features, right? It, that might just be a PlayStation could, thing. I don't know. I literally don't know. It could go either way where it would feel shitty and stupid if it didn't include this. Right. But also, it's very possible that it doesn't. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that it's not going to be that way, but. Yeah, because you wonder in the licensing and the contracts or whatever the hell, if PlayStation's like, okay, listen, go ahead, cool, put this on Switch, but we get all the fancy things. Yeah, it may, yeah, I've, I'm not sure what their deal is, so. Yeah, but yeah, be on the lookout for that. I hope this is, I hope that's Persona coming to Switch. All of this said, I don't know if I'll play this again. I really want to because it just sounds good. And like watching all the coverage lately, it's like, oh, I forgot how good this game was. And it was, what, two years ago, right? Um, but man, I just, that was a hundred plus hour game easily. Yes. And I just don't know if I'm going to have the, the I time to replay it. don't, but it's not really clear. Like, I don't think you'd play the whole thing again, but maybe you would. I don't know. Um, it's because a new and expanded version, so that makes me feel like you would have to start over. Yeah. Mm Hmm. It's yeah. It would. Hopefully, it would have an option if it like you have a save file. If it's something like where you have a save file and it recognizes it, and you can kind of just start playing new shit, that'd be nice. But or at least like pick up at a certain part. But then you wouldn't have any time to get the confidence. I don't know. I don't know how this is gonna work. Because I would imagine how this is gonna work. Yeah, you kind of would have to need the whole new. You would need, yeah, because you're going to have to, I imagine you're going to have, you know, the game as it is or as it was, and then this is going to be new content weaved into it. So it's, what would be nice is if you can, if it does read your save file, if you can start with, you know, like max personas or like strong personas or max level or something like that, or however, I don't remember how persona works. You can, I mean, you can new game plus in your, some of your stats, um, but not all of them. So... Mm. I I don't quite understand how this one's going to work in terms of like when you pick up or how you would play it. Um, what would be nice is if it wouldn't make any sense though. So yeah, I don't know. You might be right. Yeah, I, Who knows? I, I don't know. We we know we need more information. We do need the more information. All I know is Morgana is an attractive man, cat thing. Yes. See, and that's kind of weird. It to is me. handsome men. Handsome man. Although it's like, funny, oh, no. he looks very much like Joker. In the screenshot, oh, we're like there together. Right. I was like, "Those these look like the exact same oh, people." Oh no, <laughs> this is getting weird. But that's okay. Yes. All right. Well, that's exciting. And by the time this releases, we'll know what Persona Five S really is, and hopefully, we'll be able to play this on my on our Switches. Even though I probably will never play this on my Switch because I got too much other stuff to play. But that's fine. It's true. It's I'm, a very large game. I, I'm I'm not gonna be able to go back to it. Probably. I was gonna ask you, do you think you would go back to it on Switch? probably not like just being honest if it was new on switch yes but i've already played this game i feel i'm fatigued out of like 100 hour rpgs yeah that's totally fair and this is definitely a 100 hour rpg yes 
Moving on to a company that has been known for its amazing RPGs. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Square Enix has announced its E3 2019 press conference date and term. So Square Enix has announced its plans for E3 2019 and has revealed that it will be hosting a special broadcast on Monday, June 10th at 6 p.m. Pacific to show an exciting lineup of titles. Every For some reason, whenever I see exciting lineup of titles, I want to say exciting lineup of titties. <laughs> it just kind of, it just looks like it because the L looks like an I, right? That would be very exciting, I think, for most think people in the too. industry. I think so, too. Yeah. So Square Enix took to Twitter to share the news of how they'll be kicking off E3 2019 this year, but didn't give any indication of what exactly they would be showing. An interesting note, however, is that it is taking the time slot that would have been previously held by PlayStation, which follows the news that Sony will not be at E3 this year. Yes. Oh, oh boy. Wait. Summer, is you... The... What? Cause, sorry, I'm just going to read the specifics. Yeah. Because technically... It's not saying this is a real conference, i.e. live in a venue. This is just right. saying that they are broadcasting something at yeah, this time. I think it's, right. I think it's going to be one of those pre-recorded shindigs. Just they're taking that 6 p.m. time slot, right? Yeah, which is like, lol, we have it now. You're not here. Get lost. <laughs> We're taking We're it. taking your well, time slot. Yeah. And so do you think that means that they have – so I guess we should talk about – Let's talk about like last year's showcase because I went through and I watched and read some recaps like what they showed last year because the general for consensus Square? from people yeah okay it was okay so this is what they got so they did a full reveal of the awesome adventures of Captain Spirit they gave more information on Dragon Quest Eleven there was a Final Fantasy fourteen Monster Hunter World crossover announced Just Cause four was shown off in detail there was Kingdom Hearts three information the Quiet Man was revealed which has it a a twenty nine rating on Metacritic right now oh nice. Yikes. And the first shadow of the Tomb Raider gameplay was revealed. So I wouldn't say any of that was super groundbreaking. I know Kingdom Hearts fans were excited about the content that they showed. I think it was like Wreck-It Ralph and Ratatouille and other shit like that. But nothing super crazy, right? Um, so I think the, the general consensus from people this year is like, should we be excited? And then I guess to answer that, you kind of look at what could be announced this year, what could be shown off. And I think... Um, the number one contender that people are thinking about is the Avengers game. Yeah. So we have a, a question from Bartholomew Gannon, which that is not his real name, but he knows that's what I call him. <laughs> he said, hello, what's good? While we're getting close to the end game and Fortnite will be getting an Avengers event soon, which we'll be talking about in the next story, I wanted to ask about the most talked about Avengers project in gaming. What do you think the current status is of the project being developed by Crystal Dynamics? Will we see it at E3? Should there be a little teaser with practically the world focusing Avengers as a whole? Do you even think it's still being developed? Thanks, as always, for taking my question, and have a wonderful rest of your day. You too, Bartholomew. Oh, yes. yes. I mean, they would have said if it had been canceled or, like, yeah. something bad had happened. Because, <laughs> like, they, <laughs> they are a publicly traded company, and they would have needed to say something like that. Um, I'm, so, yeah, I think I think we're fine in that in that realm. Yeah, I think uh, this is definitely a thing that's happening. I, I guess if you think about, you know, the Avengers movie coming out, but I guess tomorrow, our time, right now, if, I guess it makes sense to not talk about this game until after the movie is out. I don't know jack shit about Avengers or the lore. I'm the first one to admit that. But I can't imagine that the Avengers game would follow the same 
canon or whatever as the film, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so it I'm, might not sh- be, yeah I'm not sure. It might be confusing if they are showing off this game now and it's like, look at all these people. And then you go to the movie and then like they're all dead. Because from what I hear, a lot of people are dead in these movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone's like, oh, no, they're all dying and dead. I just know what I see off of Twitter, friends. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is definitely a thing that we're going to see at E3, especially – I mean, you kind of have to at this point, right? And it would make sense with the movie and the hype and everything. This is all everyone's talking about. And they're like, oh, my God, I need more Avengers in my life. So, yes, Brandon or Bartholomew, that's your actual name. I do think this is the thing that is work going. I think it's being worked on. It's probably, hopefully, optimistically going very well. Yes, hopefully. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. And we will see it at E3. Yeah, I mean, I think... um they would need to wait for the movie to have like its hype moment. I think it wouldn't make any sense to talk about anything right now. It'd be like a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, have people focus on what you want them to do, right? Like you need one CTA for people at a time. More right. than that confuses them. So like, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Avengers, you go see the movie and then yes. everybody will have seen the movie and then you can talk about the video game. Um, so at least that's how I would handle it if I were them. Uh, I yeah. don't know about how well it's tying into the cinematic universe. I do know that at least for t- their TV and movie, it's sort of correlated. So it, it, if we're going off that, it might have some sort of a tie-in. Like maybe sure. Marvel's really together with their shit. I don't know. Um, but if not, then yeah, then it would also make sense to give it some runway and some breathing room apart from the movie. Yeah. I agree with you. I think E3 would make sense as a reveal. And then obviously, you know, the next big thing is what the hell is going on with Final Fantasy VII? That's, um, a oh thing. yeah, that game <laughs> that they talked about and then stopped talking about. Oh yeah, I think it was uh, 2015 that the game was announced during E3, Sony's E3 press conference. And that was a hell of a moment. Were you, you were there, weren't you? Yes. Okay. I, I don't think we, we were, were sitting together. Were we together for that one? We might have been together. We were. Or were we? No, we were, okay. we were, cause I, I was really tipsy and I remember you came and sat with us like last minute. Yes. Cause then I, yeah, I told you, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm usually tipsy every Sony press conference cause they would give you a lot of alcohol and it was a good time. Man, they were so good. I'm so bummed they're not doing it anymore. I know, but I mean, seriously, those <gasps> were, that was just the way that, that was like the finale, right? That mm-hmm. was like, this is the big one. And oh, that's what she said. But uh, that was always a good time. Oh, so yeah, Final okay. Fantasy VII. So last E3, Tetsuya Nomura said that Final Fantasy VII had moved past conceptual stage and into development. There had been some, you know, hiccups along the way in the development cycle, of course. And I was trying to do some digging to see, like, what's going on with this game? Is, is there any even little tidbits of info? And the only main stuff I was able to dig up was that a former project lead was now been promoted to co-director of this game, and then a voice actor named Joe Weber is a voice actor for this game, but he's obviously not talking about his role. Right. So like literally like we don't know a heck of a lot about this. Just crickets. But what's just crickets. But what is interesting is obviously Final Fantasy seven just came to the switch um, several weeks ago. So cool. But there's also a Final Fantasy seven, the first Final Fantasy seven concert in Los Angeles on June 9th. And E3 is obviously starting that following week. So I think there's press conference. I think Bethesda's press conference conflicts with this. Otherwise I would totally totally want to go to it so yes i feel like this game is still a very 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 far away but i wouldn't be surprised if we did get a little snippet of footage now that kingdom hearts 3 is wrapped up nomura can get back to this remake didn't Good they luck, um sir. didn't they do a, like a concert and then a little bit of kingdom hearts stuff around e3 before last year 
Wasn't that a Kingdom Hearts concert? That's what I'm saying. That's what I said. Oh, or at least oh, that's yeah, what yeah. I meant to say. If I said something else, I, I apologize. Oh no, I think I misunderstood that you thought it was like a mashup of Kingdom Hearts. And oh no, no, game. no. So what I'm saying is like it's possible if they're doing this concert on June 9th that they would also do a similar thing where they actually talk about the game while playing yeah. music. I mean, so. yeah, I remember they they did that. You're right for Kingdom Hearts, and Alexa was there. And it, you know, when you go to these video game concerts, I, have you ever been to one, Steinmark? Uh No, I haven't actually. Oh, they're so good. They're, I've done a lot of, you know, like the Zelda Orchestra and then Video Games Live. I've done that a lot. It's a really actual emotional experience because they have the live band or whatever the, yeah, band, I guess. And they, sometimes they have singers and they have a huge projection screen and, you know, they're, they're showing off all these clips from nostalgic games. And, you know, I feel like that would be a really good place to give an announcement because your, your emotions are already so like, ah, yeah, I mean, those are, and those are your most hardcore audience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, I would expect that we're going to see something from Final Fantasy VII. I, again, I don't think we're going to get a, a release date. If we do, they're going to be like, 2021! Well, wasn't it supposed or, to be episodic? So like, couldn't it we is. at least get one of the episodes to have a release date? That would be awesome. I can't, again, like, I, I would shit my pants if it's, you know, this year. If this if, happens, I, will I would have like... To, like video proof of the shitting of the pants you want video proof all right yes i'm gonna have jason record you because i don't want to be anywhere near it i'll have to take a bunch of laxatives and i'll uh I'll make oh it my happen. god it's horrible it is horrible i mean yeah i don't think this yeah you're right though it is episodic so i guess what that means is they don't all have to be done at once right but i still don't think we're getting anything anytime soon but again it's on record that i will take laxatives if it comes if episode one comes out this year okay the next thing is, you know, Final Fantasy 16. And I don't, I mean, just no. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's, that's going to be a while. Let it cook. Just no. So, um, the Luminous Productions, which is the studio that Hajime Tabata set, uh, set up while still working on Final Fantasy 15, um, he ultimately left. And now, who, oh, someone else is, is a part, is leading that team now. I think it was the, the, the head of Final Fantasy 15 DLC is now the head of that studio. Anyway, they recently just announced that they are working on a brand new IP. Oh. Uh, so we know that Luminous Productions is not working on Final Fantasy 16, which kind of, you know, begs the question, like, who is working on Final Fantasy 16? Who will take these reins? Obviously, you know, these, the studio has Tetsuya Nomura and whatnot, balls deep on Final Fantasy 7 right now. So, who knows? But anyway. Maybe it's resting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, please take your time with that game. Take all the they lessons you learned. They took a lot learned. of time with the last one. I don't know. Yeah, please take all the lessons <laughs> you learned from Final Fantasy 15. And, uh, you know, I love Final Fantasy 15, but it was just kind of a hot mess. Other than that, maybe we'll get some Life is Strange stuff. I don't know. I mean, I don't know yeah. if that would tie in with their release schedule, but. I mean. When is the next episode coming out, actually? It's coming out May 9th. Okay. And that's episode three. So I was looking at these dates, and the first episode came out in September of 2018. Well, Don't Nod didn't... Wait, sorry. Am I getting that confused? I'm pretty sure this is not Don't Nod's game, right? Doesn't Don't Nod working on something else? Don't Nod is working... Yeah, they're working on some other stuff. So, like, maybe their thing will be ready to talk about. Okay. Unless, there we go. Unless I'm completely... I know. I always get him confused, too. So Don't Nod, I'm looking up like their stuff right now. So they're currently working. Yeah. So it recently came out that Don't Nod's working on two unannounced games, and they just re-upped their um, relationship with Focus Home Interactive, I believe. 
so they obviously did vampire and um they did do life is strange right so anyway yeah maybe cool i would you know if if they're working with square enix on those things it would make sense but um yeah i don't know other than that, that was kind of a crapshoot. It's like, I, I don't know what else to expect. You know, obviously, you can we throw out your... Yeah, we don't know all the business deals happening behind the scenes. Right, right. It's, it's like there's not a lot of things that I think are super predictable. It's who knows. I mean, Tomb Raider made sense last year, right? It's like, okay, like that would make sense. You would expect that. Kingdom Hearts 3, you would expect that as well. Maybe we'll get more Final Fantasy fourteen stuff. I don't even know. But probably know see. more Lara for a little bit. Yeah, this is probably be another conversation we'll have during our E3 predictions with our Magic, Magic 8, 8 Ball. Ball. Yes. There we go. Yes. Speaking of older, earlier in the conversation, Avengers terrible segue. <laughs> Woo! It was good. Uh, Fortnite is teasing another Avengers crossover for Endgame. Uh, so there are many things on the planet bigger than Fortnite and Marvel's Avengers, and it seems they are teaming up once again. It isn't clear based on the tweet exactly what this crossover might mean, but it would appear it would, be- it will begin on Thursday, April 25th. So yesterday, if you're listening to this. Ooh. The tweet includes a Fortnite character skin, which looks like Bright Bomber, holding on to Captain America's shield. Based on the image, it doesn't look like we're getting a simple return of Fortnite's Thanos mode from Infinity War event. A Fortnite character carrying Captain Marvel, not Captain Marvel, sorry, Captain America's shield could mean quite a few things. It could mean Marvel-themed cosmetics. I can read words. Though there's no current, uh, wait. So there's currently no cosmetic item that goes on characters' arms. And it's also possible that we'll get a new game mode, this time featuring, ca- featuring Cap's shield as a weapon or a pickup of some kind. Either way, it seems there really is another crossover coming. We'll likely get a few more teases before the event goes live, but they're sure to be just as mysterious as this one. We'll have to wait until April 25th. Well, you don't have to wait anymore. You can go play it right now. Um, the day before <laughs> Avengers Endgame's releases in theater to know anything for sure. Uh, and then the new teaser image was released by Epic. This Tempe drink Stormbreaker, Thor's axe first introduced in Infinity War. And another update. Epic released a new Avengers teaser. This one featured a rapper, Raptor skin using Iron Man's repulsors. So sounds like it's going to be a pretty fun time if you enjoy Marvel and you enjoy Fortnite. Yeah, I imagine this is just like cosmetic shit. I mean, who knows? I think the Thanos mode, Thanos, Thanos, Thanos. I say Thanos. I don't know if that's correct, but I don't know either because I don't know who he is. Anyway, um, yeah, I I heard that the the mode from last year, what was it called, like the Infinity Gauntlet mode or something like that, has been because data miners have done their thing and they've mined the the data, the data, if you will, Mm -hmm. and they found that there have been some tweaks to it, so that might make a return. But that's it, man. This story absolutely means nothing to me, but I know there are I mean, people like, out there. Wait, wasn't so... I may be wrong. Let me actually look it up. I'm pretty sure Thanos mode last year was just... You found the gauntlet. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And, and then, then you were, you like, were super like, super duper powerful. You were really powerful. So I'm wondering if it's... You find the gauntlet, you're Thanos, you're powerful. You find Cap shields, you you get it, you're powerful. You find Thor's axe, you get it, you're powerful. Oh, uh, like, that'd you, be cool. And then you can maybe all, like, fight the dude who is Thanos. Ooh, like, like that's right. That would be super, find the super cool if it's something that like fun. that. Um, that would be fun. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would. I mean, I still want to play it, but that's. I know there are people out there who love this. <laughs> I shit. also still want to play it, but that would be but, fucking cool. <laughs> it, yeah, we support your habits and your passions in life, and yeah. so we read these stories. Um, now this is kind of a, a another bummer story. Speaking of Fortnite, womp, womp. I know. I just realized that we segued these pretty darn good. It yes. went from Square Enix to press conference and Avenger stuff to Fortnite and Avenger, and now we're on Fortnite. 
Yay. Okay. So this, <laughs> yes. Yay. This is called how Fortnite's success led to months of intense crunch at Epic Games. So this is via Colin Campbell at Polygon. And I would highly encourage you to head over there and read the story. It's a, very, it's a doozy. It's a long one. That's what she said. And, uh, I just kind of picked and choose. I went down the, the story, but I just pulled some quotes and pulled some paragraphs. Um, because there's just a lot in there. So we'll start with this. In a dozen interviews conducted by Polygon over a period of several months, current and former employees said they regularly worked in excess of 70-hour weeks, with some reporting 100-hour weeks. Contract staff in Epic's Quality Assurance and Customer Service Department spoke of a stressful and hostile working environment in which working overtime, while officially voluntary, was an expected service to the company. Polygon interviewed current and former employees of Epic, including full-time staff, managers, and contractors working in development, QA, and customer service departments. They all requested that their identities be protected for fear of retribution from Epic or other employees, employers in the game industry. Epic requires that current and former staff sign non-disclosure agreements limiting their ability to speak about the company's operations. So here are some quotes. I work an average 70 hours a week, said one employee. There's probably at least 50 or 100 other people at Epic working those hours. I know people who pull 100-hour work weeks. The company gives us unlimited time off, but it's almost impossible to take the time. If I take the time off, the workload falls on other people, and no one wants to be that guy. Another source, I know some people who just refuse to work weekends and then we miss a deadline because their part of the package wasn't completed and they were fired. People are losing their jobs because they don't want to work these hours. Another source said, I've had friends come to me and say, I can't take this anymore. I've had friends break down in tears. The crunch is constant. Another source, it is a hard, grindy, crunchy life. Everyone understands. You are being paid more money than most people will ever make in their careers anywhere else. Your time is bought and accounted for. Shut up, keep your head down, and do the work. A representative for Epic conceded that workers had endured extreme working hours. Quote, people are working very hard on Fortnite and other Epic efforts, said a spokesperson in an email interview. Extreme situations such as 100-hour work weeks are incredibly rare, and in those instances, we seek to immediately remedy them to avoid recurrence. Asked about contractors' workload, an Epic spokesperson said, quote, all Epic contractors have a fixed contract term that is communicated upfront, typically between 6 and 12 months. Epic makes contract renewal decisions based on the quality of work performed and willingness to work at times needed to meet critical release dates. The spokesperson added that the average contractor overtime at Epic is, quote, less than five hours a week. And then I threw these in here because I think a lot of reactions are, why don't you just hire more? So this comes from another Epic spokesperson. We've continually hired slightly more than doubling Epic's full-time employee base since Fortnite launched in 2017. Throughout, we've always been eager to hire great people. The limiting factor on hiring is not financial, but at the speed at which we can find and onboard highly qualified employees. We've also worked to contract with great independent studios to contribute to Fortnite and re- relieve internal workload. Finally, we've redefined our release planning of Fortnite features to incorporate the work of multiple teams working in parallel to reduce the burden on each individual team. All right, then. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's interesting only in that a lot of the granted, I haven't read the whole piece, so maybe it's out of context, but I would be curious to know, like, if they're saying these numbers are still happening or if they're saying that this was like a major occurrence when, so for instance, I see this being 100% reality, not saying that it's not now, but um, at when they made that major shift from right, like from save the world to building mm-hmm. a battle Royale mode. 
and shipping it out and then being able to constantly iterate on it like they do. That obviously takes a lot of dev hours. It takes a lot of resources. It takes artists. It takes like all hands on deck to make all that shit happen. Um, so that would not surprise me. It also wouldn't necessarily surprise me because of how they support this game to hear that it continued a little bit past, mm-hmm. you know, past whenever they, oh my God, it's been years now, hasn't it? Wait, when, when did that come back? Is it, it's been one year or has it been two years? What? Fortnite. I'm kidding. Oh, two, I think. Has it? Is that, is that, is that how time works? Oh my God. I think that's how time works. Oh God. Um, to give you, uh, yeah, you know, 2017. He, fuck. This is the final paragraph in this piece. Quote, it's killing people. Something has to change. I can't see how we can go on like this for another year. At first it was fine because Fortnite was a big success and that felt good. We were solving problems that were new for Epic, how to run a big global game as an online service, but now the workload is just endless. Yeah. So it sounds like it's a, that's not great yeah. if true. Uh, granted, obviously, I think the only people who really know are those internally. Um, right. And, um, yeah, it's, it's no bueno. Like people it's shouldn't not, be working yeah. those hours. Uh, it's, it will literally kill you. Yes. Like it's not good for you. Don't do like, that. Like it's not worth the money. Like I know that money is great. Money pays your bills. Money does a lot of things. And so it's obviously always coming from a place of privilege to say that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, yeah, you are. It's a not so slow death, depending on how long yeah. you work those hours. And it's hard because I think so many people, you know, I obviously have never had any aspirations to be a developer, so I don't know what that's like. But I imagine that that's a dream you've had for so many years. You, when you're hungry and you're young and you're eager, right? You're like, I'm going to do what I got to do to get my foot in this industry and get my foot in the door. And then you kind of find yourself in this cycle and when you're pursuing your dreams you know you'll stop at little to nothing to get the jobs you want and even that means you have to work these 70 100 hour work weeks and i think the 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 problem is and i'm happy that these articles that are coming out lately you know we just talked it was just yeah i think you and i simer did the anthem and bioware story there's anthem and then before that it was red dead again like so this is not a unique thing to epic um, right. I think it's a problem when you have what I would call a quote unquote passion industry like we have, um, where companies capitalize on that and they, there are people who are, this is their dream and they want to do it. And it's a little easier to manipulate people when that's the case. And that's a shitty thing to say, but it's true. And it's easier. I feel like in a lot of companies that I've worked in, um, and this is part of the reason why I would always leave them is like, there was definitely an attitude of like, you are lucky to be here. Mm-hmm. And not, we are lucky to have you. And granted, not everyone's a good worker. So like, we're not lucky to have everyone. But, but you, do you, right. it doesn't never makes you feel particularly good about working in the place that you're at. And you like, feel like a pawn in the machine, right? Right. And like, even though you are, and like, a cog in the machine. A cog in the I machine. Meant. I know what yeah. you meant. Um, Thanks. even though you are a cog, no one ever wants to feel that way, right? Like, that doesn't, no, that doesn't, uh-uh. that doesn't make the workers produce better work. It doesn't make them happier, which also, you know, impacts work. Like, so to me, I I never really understood it. I never understood that attitude of like, take it or get out. Like, cause yes, there will be more people to come in and replace. That's, you're not wrong. They're not wrong for that. Sure. But also at the end of the day, I feel like it would be nicer if companies looked at what they're doing to the larger ecosystem, Mm -hmm. um, which they don't have to because that's kind of how capitalism works, but you know. Sure. 
Yeah, I, I hope, you know, with these articles coming out that it sheds light on the situations. Like you've said, you know, this, even when we are talking about the Anthem story, you said this isn't a Bioware exclusive issue. You know, this, this is not, this happens almost, you know, well, a lot more than you would think. I can't say almost everywhere, but I hope, you know, this enacts some sort of change. You know, I, I understand the, the hustle and I understand, you know, having to crunch when necessary, but it sounds, like this is an ongoing issue and this isn't just like a random crunch week. I've never worked in a development setting, but this is not a healthy environment. And I don't think it's right that employees are feeling forced to do this. I mean, sure. You can say, get up and quit your job, but it's like, you know, you need the money. Right. You know, and and when you have managers who aren't, there was a quote in here where someone said, you know, after the end of an eight hour work day, I would look at my, my manager or supervisor and be like, okay, I'm ready to go home. And that they said that their manager would look at them, look at them like they were actively stupid. Mm. <laughs> you know, cause it's like, no, are you hitting? Like you can't do that. And then if you leave, then the workload falls on someone else. So if, if I don't, I wish you could just like hire a whole bunch of awesome, talented people. Cause it seems like that would just kind of help the issue, but that's just kind of like my, my small minded. I mean, it's not, issue. it's not, just having enough people which obviously yes that is a issue a lot of it also though has to do with scaling and like um, right right whether if you're building out more features because then you have more people that doesn't actually help you like at some point you need somebody actually in charge of your pipelines that knows what they're doing and can yeah, be like okay exactly. for this patch we are only working on xyz and like actually what they said at the end here of what of what you read about having multiple teams working in parallel. Yeah, you should have been doing that like kind of from the beginning. Not from the beginning, beginning when you weren't sure what, whether or not this would even stick. But once it was clear like this thing had legs, that's when you start to split your teams and you're like, all right, you're working on this and you're working on this and you're going to go and like whatever's done first you release. The other thing is that and like you can kind of, um, but that way you build in breaks for people because yeah. once your thing launches, you can go because back in the day, People would build a game, crunch really hard, especially towards the end. It would be done. It would be shipped. They would all go home, right? Like they would all, everyone would take, have a break. Now everything is on for fucking ever. Everything is like games of service now, which means you need to have teams constantly working. You ship the game. You're not done. You ship the game. You continue working. Sometimes you ship the game and you work more. And exactly. that is the problem because people haven't built those pipelines yet in order to actually sustain well some people have mmos (laughs) but like the like you know it's for a lot of triple a devs like that's not what they are used to because that's not how it used to work to be you're right yeah and crunch is crunch and it was you know if you think about the bioware story it sounds like that kind of came about because of a directional uh, challenge yeah it's like we don't know but you're right this is definitely a new issue and i'm glad you brought that up because i have a quote here from another source that basically just sums up everything you said. And they said, the executives keep reacting and changing things. Everything has to be done immediately. We're not allowed to spend time on anything. If something breaks, a weapon say, then we can't just turn it off and fix it within within the next patch. It has to be fixed immediately. All the while, we're still working on the next week's patch. It's brutal. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would hope, like you said, you know, hire more folks if that's possible. Or if not, just like you said, it comes down to scaling, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to fit in a million things into a tiny hole that can only accommodate oh, like yeah. 10, 10 Square things. peg, round hole. Yeah, yeah, girl. Just like try to fit 10 things into a hole that can fit 10 things. Mm-hmm. And then it'll, you know, you Do might that. not Also that. separate like bugs, 
like maybe mm-hmm. out to a different team or whatever. Yeah. Like you can have like a hot team, right? Like a people, people whose job it is to sort of fix whatever increment issues, not increment, uh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? My brain yeah, is, yeah, my brain is not working right now, but no, no, we're speaking the same language. Yeah. Like you could have, you could, you could rearrange your teams in a way where yeah. you could do it. And like certain people would be on the hot seat, like, for one patch and then maybe you rotate those people out like you can do things so that people aren't getting burned constantly and i do all i'm going to say is if you are crunching for more like crunch quote unquote should be like a couple months tops otherwise it's just your working hours like that's just your life like it's not crunch anymore it's just poor management see i want you to hire simon and i to manage everything (laughs) oh my god that would be so much pressure can you imagine We'd be we're, like, everyone's crunching under us, and we're like, oh, no, if we did this. <laughs> Shit. Oh, no. Yeah. No, it's, it, you're right. Uh, you know, money is good and important, and I understand that. But I guess sometimes how is that affecting your, your mental sanity and your mental health? And are you sleeping? Are you spending time with family? Because it's one of those things where – and this is something I've learned in my 30 years on this planet when I'm on my deathbed. And, you know, personally, I don't believe in an afterlife or anything like that. So I feel like this is like my one shot to get it right. When I'm on my deathbed, do I want to be filled with the idea that I push myself to the limit to the point where I was like mentally broken for how long because of a few extra dollars in my wallet or are the memories that I'm going to make not spending my time being so miserable worth more than money could ever amount to, if that makes any sense. And that's, I don't want to have that sort of regret, which is why I've made some decisions in my life that I have made, particularly speaking about, you know, my old job that I used to have and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's just my perspective. Take it, leave it, shove it up your ass. Really <laughs> wow. Know. All right. Yeah. That went, that went a little aggressive towards the end. Take, I, I don't mean it. I mean, like if, if you hate it so bad, you can shove it up your butt. No one wants to be in your butt. Or do they? Some people might. Dun dun. I'm not dun. one of those people. You're not. Final. Oh, you can you can read this one because it's your it's your baby. Yeah, I was thinking about what you said about your butt, and then I didn't oh. know that I should have been offended or not. Oh, I don't no. think I should be. No, I don't okay. think you should be. <laughs> All right, I don't even know how to say Doraemon. Doraemon story of seasons heading west this fall. So I think it was another Steinbacher episode. Where I was like, hey, this is the thing that was announced for the Switch. I know nothing about Doraemon, and I don't really think this is going to get localized. So I was very, re- very wrong, because it is getting localized. So this is coming from Nintendo Wire. Story of Seasons is the original farming RPG series, having once gone under the name Harvest Moon in the West. Now it's finally heading to Switch. Doraemon's Story of Seasons was announced for release in Japan this summer, earlier this month. And now it's been confirmed for release in North America and Europe this fall by Bandai Namco. In this story of season spinoff, you'll play as Nobita Nobi, the human protagonist. Other characters from Doraemon will populate the town. So it's coming. Mm-hmm. I wanted just to briefly talk about it because as this game is released in North America, I will be playing it. I will be talking about it. I'm just, this is like my go-to relaxation series. This is the series that is like probably means the most to me. It's very relaxing to me. I just chill out in it. I'm finding it really hard to get excited about this because, well, A, I don't know anything about Doraemon, so obviously it doesn't appeal to me. And if I'm being forced to play as this this young boy, you know, it, it takes away that immersion. You know, I like to create my character and I like to be myself and I like to build those relationships with other characters and pick the husbando I want to pick. And I just don't, can't relate to this this child, you see. 
So I tweeted about it, and then I had a brief conversation with someone on Twitter named Rob Morgan, and this was the insight he gave me because I'm, I want to know, like, are you guys excited for this, or is this a cool thing? Is it not a cool thing? Because to me, it takes away a whole level of immersion if you have to play as someone that you can't create. And Rob said, I've always found the Doraemon series great. I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but don't hate me. That's fine. And thanks. And I think the art style fits the calm, peaceful nature and character look of Story of Seasons. Plus, it's neat seeing a change of pace from the standard characters you see in the genre type. Can't tell much from the video, though. Doraemon himself is a futuristic robotic cat, so I don't think they'll use him specifically other than maybe a guide type of character. I think they're aiming more for just using the art and preset characters like Nobita for people to play and maybe villagers, since it's a very popular and huge series in Japan, much like Dragon Quest. I'd find it hard to see them changing the core of the game, though, and the ability to create your own character. We'll see. Everything we've seen makes it seem like you have to play as this this child. Hopefully not. But anyway, that's all I wanted to say about it because I will continue to talk about this. Will you is... play it, or are you more excited for like? Uh, uh, wow, I'm blanking on the name. Motherfuck, the thing we Harsh. want Chrissy Teigen to come on. Animal oh, Crossing. Oh, Animal Crossing. Uh, ah, I, oh, I kept. Yeah. I was, my brain was like Harvest Moon. I'm like, no, that's not the game. <laughs> Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon. Fuck yeah. yeah, terrible. Um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna play it because I, I feel like you know I can't. It's not fair for me to say, oh, I'm not excited. I'm never even, I'm not going to play it to try to change my mind, you know? So I'm definitely going to play it because I think the core gameplay will still be awesome. It looks really pretty. I think it'll still be a relaxing game. I think it'll still be a wonderful Story of Seasons game. It's just, I've been waiting for this version, for the Switch version of Story of Seasons for so damn long that it's like, but you're taking away one of the biggest parts of why the series is important to me, you know, the ability to be myself in it. It's part of that, like, relaxation immersion thing. Yes. Um, but, you know, I definitely will be playing it. It's only fair that I do that, and I'll probably love it, and I admit it. But Animal Crossing, yeah, I, I you know, I played Animal Crossing when I was in Hawaii, and I have to say, like, it, it was fun, and I enjoyed my time with it, but the lack of direction in that game, I kind of lost myself. At least with these farming sims, you know, it's like, okay, you have your, your farm, you have nothing. You gotta, okay, you gotta make enough money to buy the crops, and then you gotta find enough money to buy the animals, and then you gotta get the tools, and you gotta upgrade your house, and then you have to build relationships with the villagers. And there's, my version of the end game of those games is when I have everything running, pristine, when I'm married, maybe I have a couple kids, and then I'm like, okay, I did the thing. Usually that's about like 50 to 80 hours, and then I'm done, and that's fine. But in Animal Crossing, I was like, okay, I have a house, I have some furniture, What am I trying to accomplish here? Yes. So we'll see. But that is it for this week's segment of the newsicles. Simon and I have some games that we've been playing. Actually, I don't know. Do you have anything in here? You don't. No, because it's all days gone. gone. All right. Well, we're going to have a very, very awesome short segment next week. We're at next week, next segment where I'm going to be talking about Ace Attorney. And that's it. And then we're going to move on to Days Gone. Hell yeah. But in the meantime, hang out. We'll be right back. It's all good. Chill out. Have a drink. Have a beverage. Eat some pizza. Welcome back to the What's Good Games podcast. This is segment two, where we talk about what we've been playing. But first, Samer is going to tell us all about goats. Yes, I will. So if you're buying sneakers online, there's more than a coin flip's chance the shoe you're looking at is fake. How can you be sure it's real? Well, you can go to GOAT.com, which is the safest way to buy and sell authentic sneakers online. 
They're the largest marketplace in the world for authentic Yeezys, Jordans, and over 600,000 sneaker listings. They've made the whole process frictionless and trustworthy. And they do this by only accepting sellers with the best reputation and by verifying all sneakers to ensure their authenticity for buyers. Every detail is inspected, from the stitching and color to the size and weight. GOAT certifies that every pair of sneakers on their site matches exact factory specifications. With over half a million sneakers on the platform and 10 million users, you won't find better prices for verified 100% authentic sneakers anywhere else. Yes. So you can find your perfect 100% authentic sneaker at goat.com slash good games. That's goat.com slash good games. Plus, you'll also be supporting our show, but you gotta go right now before the sneakers you want are gone. Cause that's how, honestly, sneakerheads are crazy. Uh, when you yep. go to goat.com slash good games, spelled G-O-A-T dot com slash good games. Yeah, so I've talked about my awesome Mario shoes that I got off of Goat because I love them. And then I've also been eyeing some Timberlands on there because Ooh. one, Christine Steimer, kind of got me turned on to them. And I started like looking. I'm like, these shoes are cute. They are you cute. Can, you can wear them with like a lot of different things. And that's good in my life. So I've been eyeing a few different pairs. And I might send you some links so you can look at and give me your professional fashion advice. Oh, absolutely. I will. Because there's a lot on Goat.com. All right, so let's talk about the things we've been getting our hands on and pushing buttons. So like we said at the top of the show, oh, I love the little, the little jig sign. Little dancing, dancing. Yeah. Um, at the top of the show, we talked about Days Gone and how we're going to talk about that in the next segment. So for this little mini second segment, the only game that, um, Steimer's been playing Days Gone, yes. and I've been playing Days Gone. But since I was in uh, on vacation, I was playing a little game called Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy. Oh, hell yeah. Because I, I was curious about it. And after listening to Steimer talk about it on two shows ago, when I think it was, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I was like, oh, th- th- okay, I could probably roll with this. And so I downloaded it, and I'm having so much fun. I don't know how I never played these games before. I finished Ace Attorney, Phoenix, or Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. I get like them switched How did you do? Did you ever like accidentally lose? Or not lose, but Uh, like did somebody, anybody go to jail and then you had to restart? No, I saved, scummed the everything. Oh my God, you're amazing. You're the best lawyer ever. (laughs) No, and that was part of the thing that I was worried about with this game is I, I thought it might be stressful because, you know, what if I don't gather the right evidence? What if I am wrong in my decisions? I'm going to have to start over. That sounds like a pain in the butt. But thankfully, you can save the game almost any time you want. And if you do get a, make a wrong decision, you just reload it, and then you can pick another decision. Wait, Obviously, so how the, many times did you do, like reload stuff? Um, Maybe in the first game, maybe like six times. If I if I presented the wrong evidence okay. or something. Yeah, yeah I would you have just like three it. strikes basically until the judge is like, fuck you, you're dumb. <laughs> fuck you, you're dumb. He's, it's like, your honor, objection. This like blatantly contradicts the evidence. And he stares at you and he's like, it does. And he's like, it's like no, it eh. doesn't. And then you're like, Ugh, Homer Simpson <laughs> into the bushes. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's, it's, I find the characters really charming and really endearing. And I, Guess there was, I, I was wrong. I didn't think this game would have that level of depth to it with the, cause the characters, like, sure, they're not the most, you know, like, Bioware-esque, you know, back in Bioware's glory days, whatever, but they are really fun and they do have their quirks and it's fun to see them come and go during different dialogue options, especially Detective Gumshoe, who I think is super fun. Simon, how far are you into the, the thing, oh, I don't, the game? I don't actually know. 
but okay yeah so okay so you probably know the characters anyway yeah, yeah, yeah so, i know who the characters are yeah yeah so if you <laughs> so if you haven't played these games i would recommend you know just hop the trilogies it's a great value i think it's 29.99 you get three games for so to go that way you get 10 like for each game is 10 bucks and the first game took me you know several hours to get through and it's fun and you know if you were if you're worried about it being kind of stressful like i was you don't have to worry about that because, you know, you do have the forced dialogue where it's not forced, but the game will like make the sure it you... guides you a little bit. Yeah, right? it like, guides you. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Doesn't really yeah, it's super. Yeah. And like, and especially in terms of like evidence, I don't know if there's a way you could not pick up. A I don't think need. there I don't is. I don't think there's a way. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll have everything you need. Um, but it's more about making sure you're presenting it in the right way at the right time. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, like Brittany said, if you fuck it up, like, yeah, you can just reload your save. There you go. That's yeah, why that's video games are great. Yeah. And it's, I didn't quite realize it, it's very much an adventure game, right? It's, yeah. um, you, you know, there's a bunch of different locations you go to, different characters you talk with, depending on, you know, the questions you ask, you'll get different options and you have to know what to present at what time. And it's, it's really fun and it's a really relaxing game. So I would definitely recommend playing that. Also, I did play one other game that I forgot to write down here, and I'm going to look it up right now. It's called A Dark Room, and this game first came out on iOS devices in 2013, and I've never played a game like this before. I think it was like six bucks on the Nintendo Switch store. Um, it, it's a text-based resource management sim, if that makes sense. Weird. I don't, I've never played a game like this, so I don't know what I can even really compare it to, but the idea is, is that you wake up in a dark room, and you there there's a woman in there with you and you have a campfire and you light the campfire and then you start gathering from there like the story kind of like takes progresses and then you start getting resources coming in and then if you get enough resources it's all text everything is text here if you get resources then you can start building little like huts and then if you build huts then more people come into your hut and now you can gather more resources and now you get more resources now you can start building more and bigger things and then from there you can go on anyway it's a really interesting game i really don't know how to explain it because again i've never played anything like it but when i was looking into this game i was reading reviews and a lot of people said even if it doesn't necessarily sound like your kind of game just download it buy it play it but how much is it i think it was like six dollars okay um, I don't, yeah, it may have been on sale, but let me see. I'll look right now to see how much it is. Uh, uh, buy digital Nintendo. Hope your website doesn't suck right now. It's sucking because it wants me to sign in. No, nobody sign in. We don't want to. I know. I don't know. I hate that. It's like, please just tell me how much your game is. I don't yeah, know. Like, hello. And it's fine. Okay. Whatever. It's fine. it's fine. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's not more than $10, but, uh, oh, $7. Yeah. Here we go. Six ninety nine. Cool. Yeah, so I don't know how much it is on iOS devices. It might be cheaper because sometimes, like, that's what happens. But, yeah, what I was saying is the reviews I was reading about this game said, even if it sounds weird, even if it sounds like it's not something you might necessarily enjoy because a text-based management sim, like, sounded not that enticing to me, but I downloaded it, and it kind of blew my mind because it it's fascinating. And it's kind of hard to say more than that without kind of spoiling it and all the reviews were saying that as well and i said that's bullshit you can at least tell me something about this game so what i will say is if you have seven dollars if you have a nintendo switch and you're kind of looking for something different and you unique that seven dollars <laughs> that you're willing to blow not blow but if you're you know willing if you're to willing to for, experiment with seven dollars with seven dollars 
Yeah, that's a thank you, Simon. That's a good way of putting it. I would check out a dark room. I it kind of I'm interested now in looking into other games that are like this because I really enjoyed my time with it and it was how just long another did good... you play for? Oh, maybe three hours. Okay, three to four hours. If wait, that. is it no, a game with an end or is it just kind of like yes? A, okay, no, it hasn't. It definitely has an end, okay. and the story is kind of to quote my Dragon Ball Z mind boggling. It's very interesting. Yeah, so I, it makes sense. It does. Okay, good. And it's like sometimes, Whoa. like sometimes games like get a it's, little bit it, existential, and you're like, "What?" Well, okay. To clarify, you finish the game, and then you're like, "Whoa!" And then you kind of like think about it, and then you go online and you like read theories about it, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, if you're willing to experiment with seven dollars, I would definitely recommend just checking it out, and just it might open your eyes up to a type of game that I know I had never played before. And I found it fascinating. And yeah, that's that's what cool. I will. Thanks, Simon. I'm glad you think what I had to say is cool. Yeah, well, but I that... think you're cool. But here's my question. I feel like this segment's way too short considering we talked for like an hour about Days Gone. So what are oh. should we answer the question from the segment three here? Oh, yeah, we can do that. Okay. okay. Just, yeah. to, just to beef this guy up a little bit. Just to beef this up a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to read it? Sure. So this is from... Caleb Solib Gale. Uh, and he asks, Hey friends, from what it seems and what rumors are saying, we will now likely have five zombie games releasing this year. World War Z, Days Gone, Back for Blood, Last of Us 2, and Dying Light 2. With that said, do you think that zombie style games are becoming outdated? No. Brittany would say no. I would say yes. <laughs> I don't okay. know if outdated is the proper word. I would say mm-hmm. it, there is fatigue for me and Technically, if you want to get, again, like, hyper-semantic about it, Days Gone does mm-hmm. not have zombies because they are not reanimated corpses, but they basically act like zombies, so fuck it, they're zombies. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I think for me, it was just kind of like, I, I don't love how many games are post-apocalyptic. Every now and then, I would like something nice, bright, shiny, and happy. Where is oh, my, like my where is my Viva Pinata port? For my switch. Where That's is all it? she wants. Make her happy, damn it. Yeah, so I just want to clarify a few things. I don't think we have a release date on Back for Blood and Last of Us Two and Dying Light Two. I don't Yeah, really I don't see know those. Th- yeah, I don't know if those are this year, but I this see what year. you're saying in that there's yeah. a lot coming out in the future. Yeah, so okay, a few things. I, I find it interesting that, you know, there's this zombie fatigue. I was listening to the conversation that Simon and Andrea had about Days Gone, which we'll be showing in the next segment. And I know Andrea said that when she first saw Days Gone, her first initial reaction was like, ah, oh, another zombie game. And I, I don't understand. I guess, like, I, I mean, I should ask her this question, but I don't understand why there's such a target on zombie games. Is it because they're so similar that each one feels the same to people? Because... If you look at post-apocalyptic games, there's a ton of those, but no one ever says, oh, another post-apocalyptic game. Eh, or, oh. I feel like they do. Okay, but I feel like... They do- no, you're right. They do. But I feel like it's not as much of heat as zombie or or undead or, or these kind of cannibalistic creatures get in a game. And so I'm just legitimate, legitimately curious, because if you look at these games that Caleb's listed, 
World War Z and Back for Blood. Like, okay, yes, like those are definitely similar games. World War Z is essentially Left for Dead with World War Z zombies. Also, I've heard I haven't played it, but I've read some reviews. Back for Blood is Turtle Rock's next game. Left for Dead was their thing. This is a thing. They're going to be similar. Sure. Days Gone is, a, you know, an open world survival horror where you have these things called freakers and the way you play this game is much different than a game you'll play like The Last of Us, right? Which is a more narrative, I'm assuming narrative driven action adventure game. It has similarities game. in terms of how you go about dealing with the enemies. Like there's, it's a lot of obviously like sneaking up behind someone and knifing them, right? Which is what right. a lot of what you did in The Last of Us. <laughs> Right, totally. But other than that, you know, the way The Last of Us and Days Gone play is, you know, fast, very different. You have this huge open world with Deacon, you have this motorcycle, you have these camps, you have, you know, it's like this lone wolf experience. And I'm assuming The Last of Us 2 is just not really going to be that kind of game. The Last of Us really wasn't. Yeah, if if it is similar to how Tilu OG was, then yeah. And Dying Light 2 is a first-person parkour RPG, action RPG game where you are crafting all these weapons, these crazy bogus weapons, and it's a co-op experience. It's a little more lighthearted. You know, so I understand that all of these have some sort of, like, undead aspect to them, but with the exception of World War Z and Back for Blood, I would say all of these games are very different from one another. Sure, they all have, like I said, the same thing. Like, there's these, like, cannibalistic things trying to, like, hit your face and shit. Yeah. Anyway, so no, I don't think they're becoming outdated i think it's just for some reason there's this when there's a new zombie anything announced everyone just kind of assumes it's like oh it's a cash grab it's something you know oh we know what we're getting with this game but you know as we're seeing i think the the zombie genre is in most respects evolving and i thought you were gonna say is alive and well alive and well (laughs) get it (laughs) because they're undead but anyway that's my that's my soapbox i mean i think yeah you're not wrong in that like I don't know. I think I struggle with it. I do find it sort of like a bit. I'm the, I am that person that sighs when I see another yeah, well, one. Well, you don't like zombies because, anyway. Well, it's not only like that, but scared. like, and even if the, yeah, there's that. Usually zombies <laughs> go hand in hand with like being freaked mm-hmm. out at some point, like jump scares, all that kind of shit. I don't love that. But I also think just in general, like a lot of them look really similar. A lot of them, not all of them, obviously, like, um, back for blood slash left for dead i mean they have like this different style of zombies to kind of mix it up um but for a lot of the time it's like all right you want to ideally get headshots that's typically how it works um and it just they're always like i don't know i think i think it's because of how gross they are maybe that's what it is i think that's probably what it is because i also have that same feeling when i play like a shooter or a post-apocalyptic shooter or something. Like, all you see are these dudes, and now we're seeing more women bad guys, you know, in some sort of protective armor, and you want to get headshots, right? And they all look the same to me. So it, it's interesting. Yeah, I think it just kind of comes down to personal taste. I think, you know, zombies, they're kind of associated with a survival horror game, unless it's, like, my zombie pal, and you try to be friend zombies. I mean, I don't oh know. Oh, my gosh. Even, the, even Plants vs. Zombies. Yeah. I'm just like, they're gross. They're gross. They're gross. They're just, and I don't They're just like dead, them. rotting, walking corpses, Simon. Yes, they are. It's, I'm sure they'd smell real bad. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know what, I think I'm just, I'm tired of it. I'd rather other more interesting enemies. I also get tired of, this isn't really the case for like, uh, some of these games, but some of them, it's like, you have the zombie things, whatever you want to call them in that specific game. And then you've got like humans. That are just like, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I'm, uh, this formula to me is a little old or feel, yeah. it's starting to feel that way. 
No, I would prefer a because uh, I also agree. Like as much as I love zombie and zombie stories, it almost always devolves into. You know, now it's it's you versus the humans because the humans are assholes, right? And now the humans are fighting for territory. So not only do you have the undead threat, you have the threat of the humans. And I agree. I would like to see actually a zombie game where it's all just about the zombies. Like a story-driven – but I understand like zombies in theory aren't, wouldn't be much of a threat depending on what kind you're talking about because they're like slow shambling. It's like, a okay, Slow well. shamblers wouldn't be as much, but I feel like – you would still want to avoid a large pack of them. Oh yeah. Um, and definitely, I, I think you could kind of like mess with that more where like you're, you're traversing and you're trying to be careful. You're trying to be quiet. Um, mm-hmm. so I think it could, it could work if like zombies were the only ones. And again, like in, um, in old OG left for dead, like you were, there were no people going after you. You're just, it's true. You're just killing zombies to try and get to the point. And oh my God, I still remember I have horrific, PTSD from the time I played that game and it did not give me my achievement, even though I was oh, no. on the boat. I was on the boat. Oh no! I was on the boat to she escape. Didn't get her chivo. I didn't give a chivo, and I was pissed. Like, oh, I was so mad. And <laughs> it's because, like, it's because so one of those giant zombies. I forget all the names now because it's been so long. Um, but one of them threw a rock at me, and I was downed. I was not dead. I was downed. Like somebody could have come over and just hit the revive button, except. Mm. The cutscene started at that exact fucking moment. So then the boat just went away. I'm oh, on the no. boat, but I'm downed and it didn't count it. And I was like, go fuck yourself game. And that was the last time I played that game. I did not that pick it, it up again. I was see? like, I'm done. I'm fucking done. Nope. Don't see. Give Steimer her damn Chivos. Cause if you don't, she's going to drop I your ass. Earned it. Bricks. I earned it. I was on the damn boat. I made Do it. You remember the name, the name of the Chivo you didn't get? No. Cause I, I can make you like a plaque with the Chivo I on it. Look it up on the internet. You. But I okay. don't remember what it is off the top of my head. Would, would that like give you forgiveness if I made no. you a plaque with? Oh, okay, never mind. I want it on my gamer score. <laughs> Dear Phil Microsoft, Sp- Phil Spencer, can you fix oh. my gamer score because I definitely earned this? Yeah, thank you very much. Because it was also one of thank the more you. annoying levels, and I was just like, "Fuck this." Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So to, I think we answered your question. I think there was a time, Caleb, where everyone was like, "Oh my god, zombies!" and it like blew up because of The Walking Dead was getting so popular, and everyone like tried to get their little prized possession out there and see if it would like blow up. But I think now what we're seeing is if I, I think I would hope that most folks making a game that includes these the zombies post apocalyptic understand that you have to do something a little different. Otherwise, it's just not going to be met well. And I think if you look at all these games, besides, again, World War Z and Back for Blood, that they all do something uniquely different from one another. And that's why I think they stand out fine. And I don't think the, they're becoming outdated. Fight me. Please don't. Okay, I fight you. I'll lose. All right. So, cool. Thanks, Simon. That was a great suggestion because now we had a nice semi-meaty hmm. second segment. And now we're going to take a brief break and we're going to come back and talk about Days Gone. I guess zombies don't go Typically not They go Nailed it Welcome back to the What's the Games podcast This is segment 3 And we are going to be talking about Days Gone So the embargo was up We've all been playing Days Gone. 
so how this is going to work is I'm just going to talk briefly about my experience with the game because Simon and Andrea have played a lot more than I have. And while I was on vacation, they were amazing and awesome and recorded a conversation they had. Oh, by the way, we never mentioned that Andrea's not on this week's Oh, episode. shit. You're right. Whoops. Whoops. Yeah, Andrea's been kicking ass at Games Beat Summit and hosting. And so, unfortunately, she wasn't able to join us this week. So, knowing that, last week she and Steimer uh, hosted an awesome segment about Days Gone. It's about an hour long, and there's some really interesting and good points brought up. So, um, before we get into it, another thank you to PlayStation for providing us with our copies of Days Gone. Yeah. So, please getting games early is very helpful. Yes, it's helpful. We do. So, um, again, just some brief thoughts of mine, because we want to try to hold off. And we did get a lot of questions in the Dear WGG about Days Gone, but it would probably be better until we're all three together next week so we can talk about it. Otherwise, it's like we're having – Steimer's having, like, all these separate conversations with people, and she's like, you know, that's weird or something. I don't know if that's what she thinks. I, I don't I just know, spoke for her. Sure, yeah. Cool. Okay, so Days Gone. So I obviously have been looking forward to this game um, for a while now. Zombies are like we just talked about in the last segment. Zombies slash freakers slash anything undead that wants to try to eat my face. Technically, this is, is not undead. That's that's true. So things of this realm, things that want to eat my they, face. They off. do definitely want to eat you. So yes, I I enjoy them. I think they're scary and they're cool and they give me an adrenaline rush. And I don't know, I'm weird. Anyway, so this is a. Uh, I don't, I was, I don't know how to talk about this because I am, I've never had this issue before when reviewing a game. And the issue I'm having is I've had so many bugs and issues that I had to force myself to step away because my enjoyment of this game is being hindered very negatively because of these issues I'm having. Now, like Andrea and Simon are going to talk about in their conversation, since we've got the review code, there have been at least three patches implemented. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get a few more. And maybe some of the issues I've had have been fixed, but even after the latest patch, I have had some issues. But I would also I like to reiterate, like, I did not actually, I have had very little bugs in terms of right. like interfering with gameplay. I've had some bugs with like visuals and then um, a little bit of weird AI, but like nothing that broke the game in any way for me. That's yeah, and I think Andrea said she had maybe like one or two issues where like an ambush camp wouldn't pop in or something, but she didn't in the brief conversation I had with her, she didn't make it seem like she had anything. So it kind of sounds like I'm just having I just have a weird You just you didn't code. pray to R and Jesus. <laughs> I didn't pray to R and Jesus for the one game. But before I like get into all of that, I just want to start off by saying what I have played of this game so far, I'm really enjoying. I I think Deacon is a fascinating character and he he, I'm trying to figure out like what kind of guy he is because I'm so new to him. I'm maybe like 10 hours into this thing. Um, and I find him really endearing and charming in his own way. And I love the cutscenes of his past. I think, you know, there's a lot of, he's like, he's like a big, a big onion, Simon. There's lots of layers to this Deacon guy. <laughs> Onions have point? layers. He's Shrek. He's, yeah, that's a Shrek thing. Yeah, okay. Um, and I'm, I'm interested in the story and where it's going. I like the open world. I like riding around on my motorcycle. I like meeting the characters and seeing how this world is functioning post shit hitting the fan. I'm excited to learn about more and I'm engaged in where the story is going. And I find that the combat is, is fun. The shooting I'm getting used to. I'm taking advantage of some of the RPG perks. I know I'm going briefly over some of these things because Simon and Andrew really break it down in their conversation. So with all of that said, I am really enjoying this game. I'm very, very excited to hop back into it. 
And it pains me that I had to pull myself away because of these issues that I'm having. And it sounds like, you know, maybe not a lot of people are having them, but these are the ones I'm having. So, well, no, nobody's playing this game yet. So yeah, well, who's to say I, I, how wide I wish I knew more people. Are. Yeah. And I'm hoping that, yeah, these issues will be fixed soon. So, you know, okay. So I'll just start talking about some of the issues I've had. So one of the issues I had was there are these Nero facilities and the idea is you go inside of them, you clear them out. You don't clear them out. You um, have to fill up a generator. You have to find a gasoline within a little area, fill up this generator, push a button, restore electricity to the area. You go in and in there is a recorder and also an injector where you can increase your health, stamina, or your focus, which is how you um, slow down time when you're aiming a rifle or a gun. Right. So I got in there. I injected myself with some stealth, and I slept with some stealth. Well, with the the endur- stamina. Sorry. Okay, I was stamina. like, what? That's not. A- sorry, I meant I meant stamina, not <laughs> okay, stealth. Okay, stamina. Yeah, I was like, I'm confused. Yeah, yeah. With some stamina, I slept. I made the night go to day, and I left the facility. And then I realized that I wanted to reload my save because I forgot the um, there's a recorder in there. So I reloaded my save. But in doing so, I ended up back in the facility, but all the electricity had somehow been shut off to the building, which meant that none of the doors would open from the inside. And so I was literally trapped inside the little facility and I couldn't leave. Oh, weird. And yeah, it was something really weird, bizarre. And so I had to reload maybe a save I had like maybe 30 minutes prior so not like a huge deal. I was able to get past it, and but it was just a weird thing. I was like, whatever, no big deal. The other issue I had was that there is this sentimental moment where you are visiting something that means a lot to Deacon, and he has a flashback of something that happened while shit was going down and hitting the fan, and it's emotional, and it's a cutscene. But when and during the cutscene, the floors weren't rendering, so <laughs> okay. Like everyone is literally because all, all the only, the, yeah, the only thing that rendered was um, uh, like the sky. So it, it looked like all of these people were just kind of standing in the middle of the sky. And I was like, okay, like shit happens, not the end of the world. But I think what that may have triggered, and again, like I don't do QA, I don't know, but it must have just been bugged entirely because what happened is as the cutscene faded, Deacon was crouching next to this thing, having this sentimental conversation with something. And I couldn't move. And all of these freakers were swarming me. And so, like, he's trying to have a dialogue. But all these freakers had suddenly be summoned. And they're, like, going, like, and they're, like, yelling at me. And they're clearly not supposed to be there because I would cleared out that area before I initiated the cutscene. So I'm, like, ha-ha, that's funny. Whatever. But then the problem is he stood up and then he crouched right back down. And then the game would freeze. Uh-oh. And so I tried reloading my save to see if maybe it was just a freak accident and it happened two other times. So then I had to reload a save that was about 45 minutes prior to that. So something about that particular instance was super corrupted. And so that was kind of annoying. That is annoying. (laughs) So that was all, you know, post patches. So I don't know if that's been fixed, but the current issue I'm running into, which is the thing that I just had to like separate myself from the game and walk away is I finished the mission And this mission requires you to rescue someone and then drive into a camp. So I'm driving into the camp, and then all of a sudden, all of the audio just completely cuts out. Everything cuts out minus some background noises. So if I were to shoot a rifle, you know, I'd hear the echo. If I'm running, I might hear, like, the brief, like, 
whisper of like a footstep hitting the ground, which clearly is supposed to just kind of be going through like one end of the headset or the speaker. I'm like, that's weird. So I reloaded a save again. And this time the person that I was trying to rescue wouldn't follow me out of the house. And I couldn't, I couldn't do anything besides just walk. I could only walk. I couldn't run or anything like that. So that's weird. So I reloaded another save and another save. The same, it, it still was corrupt and weird. So then I said, okay, so I quit the game and I went to see if there were any new patches and there, there was a patch. And so I updated the patch and I said, okay, maybe this will fix my problems. Hey, like I get it. Development can be tough sometimes, whatever. I updated the patch. The person followed me. I got to the camp at the, in the end, finished the quest. As soon as I rode out of the camp, the audio cut out again. And you're on patch 1.03. Yes. Okay, because that does say it fixes cases of sound dropout, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I lose audio, and I said, oh, that's annoying. And reloading the save, or reloading even prior saves, doesn't return the audio. Oh, no. Wait, so now it's just gone. Now it's just gone, so I have to quit the game and start it and boot it back up. Completely boot it back up. Um... And so, like, okay, that that takes, you know, like, maybe, like, I don't know, five minutes. It's not the end of the world. So, I'm being very, like, I think I'm being patient, you know. So, I'm on my motorcycle, and I'm, like, driving the sounds back, and then it just cuts out again. And I have to fully quit the game, reboot it back up, and then five minutes later, it goes out again. And it seems like it's only happening when I'm on the motorcycle. That's so strange. I've never had any of this. I know, and it makes me, it's crazy, and it makes me... Sad because it's getting so frustrating that I had to just be like, I can't play anymore. Yeah, I just can't I play anymore fair. until this kit fixed because it's, I, I, cause I just start getting immersed into the story and like where things are going and then I have to hard quit and then boot up. And I would say in like one hour of gameplay that happened to me five to six times. So I just had to stop. I have passed along the issue I'm having to the appropriate people. So they are aware of it. So I hope that something can get fixed soon. But I just thought it was fair that I shared these issues that I'm having. Um, and I, I would hope that they're, they're going to be fixed by the time this game's out, but they might not be. So yeah, you know, hopefully, uh, my, my situation is just an anomaly because I think there is a really good experience and fun game here in Days Gone. I don't think it's going to be for everyone, obviously, but I, I'm really excited to hop back in and it makes me, I legitimately was like sad and angry that I had to force myself to stop playing because I, I wanted to keep going, but I just, it's not fair to, yeah, have that tainted experience. Anyway, that's unfortunately been my experience with Days Gone. I Hopefully this will get fixed and I can talk about it more next week when I'll have more of um, an uninterrupted experience yes. with the game. Yes. Yes. But with that said, let's hop into Andrea and Samer's conversation about Days Gone. Again, it clocks in around an hour and four minutes or so, and there's a lot of... It's mostly spoiler free. I would say, yeah. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we try not to spoil just, anything. I'm pretty careful. Yeah, yeah. I would, yeah, I would just say, just anything that is talked about, it happens within the first like 15 minutes of the game or so. So it's not like you know, it's all probably stuff you already know if you've been paying attention. So we will play that now, and I hope you enjoy. 
What's good, everybody? This is a special segment inside the episode of What's a Good Games. As you are aware, I'm not here this week because I am in Los Angeles hosting at Games Beat Summit, or I should say I hosted, because by the time the podcast airs, it will have happened. And if you missed it, please check out the archives. You can go to VentureBeat.com or GamesBeat.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrea Rene and watch the live streams of everything that happened. It was great. At least I hope it was great. So I'm here with Steimer. What's up, girl? Oh, hey. Um, and we're doing this little mini recording because we both have been playing Days Gone from Sony Bend. And this is where I say PlayStation has provided us with early access codes to Days Gone on PS4. So disclaimer for FTC out of the way. We have been playing for about a week and a half now, I think it is, and the embargo is now up, the game is now out, and now we're going to talk about it. We are, of course, going to do our best to keep this spoiler-free, since we know that the game is brand spanking new and clearly has a heavy narrative focus. But if there is something that we deem semi-spoilery, we will give you a warning ahead of time. Sound like a good plan? I think so, but I'm biased. (laughs) <laughs> what you want to just spoil everything right now no, no no i just meant like i think it's good because i partially came up with it with you so yeah <laughs> parental affection i'm into this all right so for people who are not aware days gone is a third person action adventure game with survival stealth and horror elements in a Expansive open world set in the high desert of Oregon in the United States in a post-apocalyptic setting where there was some kind of mass infection that turned a large portion of the population into freakers. To be clear, these are not zombies. So in order to kill a freaker, you do not have to have a headshot. They are not undead. They are technically alive, but they're no longer fully human. And I think that's really the framework for this narrative and what's happening in the story. The lead protagonist is a man named Deacon St. John. And if you've watched any of the trailers, he is. He's got this gruff nature about him that's kind of rugged and attractive. He's very charming. Well, is he though? I find him charming. Do you not? I mean, like not all the time, but like there's he has his moments. He has moments for sure, especially in the flashbacks where he's wooing Sarah, his waifu. I'm like, okay, I get why she fell for you. But normally he just seems really murderous, which is what I had texted to Steimer when we were playing this. Like, he just seems like he wants to kill everybody. I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, yes, given the situation for sure. I, yes, I would. Yeah, so like I I can relate to the murder spree. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you can, <laughs> and maybe the people listening can as well. So, this game is a PlayStation Four exclusive from Sony Worldwide Studios, and it's a game I think a lot of people were anxiously anticipating because it's probably going to be a holdover until we get the next big thing from Sony Worldwide Studios, which we anticipate either being. The Last of Us Part 2 or Ghost of Tsushima, there is the idea that Death Stranding is somehow in the mix, but I think that's going to be closer to PS5 launch than the end of PS4. Obviously, I think all three of those titles will straddle the generations, but 
I think that this is like the big tentpole game that Sony is really leading with. And that's problematic for a variety of reasons that we're going to discuss. So where should we start, Steimer? I mean, we can give them like a little basic story. So yeah, as you mentioned, you play as Deacon St. John. I always want to say St. James. Same. I do too. <laughs> it is not St. James. It is St. John. Um, and... I'm obviously like super, super high level here. Um, when you start the game, you have, there's basically like two people in your life. One is Sarah, who is your wife, and the other is Boozer, who is your friend. His real name is obviously not Boozer. Uh, but you know, that's it's William, actually. It is William. Uh, and so the storyline basically follows what happens to them after, um, shit goes down, basically, in, in the town that they're at. Um, and Sarah kind of gets helicoptered off, helicoptered off to a certain area and you and Boozer take up on your motorcycles, head out and like you, you are together and that's kind of where you start the game. Um, and I feel like I'm going to leave it at that. Just, I mean, unless there's anything you else you'd want to add that's not, not super spoilery. No. So the idea is that they open the game with this cutscene that Steimer just described and then you start over two years after that point, you come into a scene where Boozer and Deacon are trying to survive. They're picking up bounties from local camps. They're making runs. They're really just out there as two homies, you know, trying to make their way through the apocalypse. So Boozer previously was, it sounds like he was previously married or had an old lady and who has been gone and is dead. And then, you know, Deacon's wife is is dead. And, and so there are two guys that are just like trying to console each other and use their friendship as something to kind of keep them going in the face of really a lot of terrible tragedy, looking at what happened to society and to their friends and to the former biker gang, the, the mongrels that they were part of. And you get to explore what it means for them to be in this post-apocalyptic environment, trying to maintain a semblance of normality. And so you start the game, um, you know, working your way through the world, finding your way to certain camps and meeting the different camp leaders and going on jobs for each of the camps. And ultimately, the main goal is to follow this storyline with Nero, which is kind of like a FEMA-ish it's the organization. It's the right? government. Yeah. yeah. Where they're researching the freakers and what happened with the infection and how they can maybe address it or stop it or fix it, like you would imagine any post-apocalyptic situation would be. Situation would be, and so you kind of started the game this way and um, kind of are feeling your way through, picking up different jobs. And when I did my preview event with this with Sony Ben a couple of months ago and talked about the storylines, I really liked the way that the storylines kind of interwove together. And it was a really interesting way to break down narrative quests in a game. And I still feel that way. I still think it's interesting how, you know, your progress in a certain quest can kind of intertwine with your progress on another quest line. And the way that they've laid that out is really fascinating. But overall, I have to say I was really hoping for a bit more from the narrative than what we've got so far. How are you feeling about the way the narrative is progressing? I think, um, so what you were talking about before where basically you can complete a mission and it will check off slightly, um, 
different progression on different storylines. It was actually a little confusing to me at first when it like when all of those things popped up and I was just getting my feet wet in the game and I was just a little I was like, wait, what? What what just happened? Because we just saw like 30 things pop up on the screen uh, and I had to like go into the menu and look through it. And then I kind of figured out what was going on. Um, but overall I don't, yeah, like, like you said, I do think it's interesting and it would make sense that some of these things would overlap. Um, but overall, yeah, I think I'm just struggling a little bit with motivation, um, from the character and also just like lack, I feel like there's kind of a lack of plot or maybe I'm just not there yet, but I've been playing for a while. Um, so how far are you, Andrea, would you say? I'm over 50% of the way through the game now, according to the progression bars um, for specific storylines. And I've gotten to a part of the game that has given me an ultimatum, meaning I hit a story wall where they said, if you progress in the story, you're going to lock out specific parts of storylines, specific parts of the map Etc. And that's the, as much as I'll say without, uh, so I don't spoil it for anybody. So there is a point you'll get to in the story where it's like, hey, if you progress any further, you're going to not be able to see these other things in this part of the uh, of the game. And I, first off, I appreciate that they do that and let you know, like, because some games don't. Some games are just like, yeah, oh, like, like, yeah. I think about Metro Exodus, for example, another game that I've loved this year where. You are just playing through and you don't realize if you hit this one mission, it's going to propel you forward. And then all the other side stuff you may have been working on back there are no longer available. So um, I appreciate that. So I'm probably about 20 plus hours into the game now. So pretty deep. It's because uh, the team at Sony Ben has said that they estimate the golden path, you know, air quotes here for the main storyline to be about 30 hours, not including all of the side missions. So all in, it's probably closer to 40 to 50 hours total if you do all of the side content. And there's a lot of ways to kind of wander around in the open spaces and explore stuff and look at stuff and get collectibles and whatnot. But I feel like I'm pretty far in. And it's just now starting to get interesting. And it's, it's to me, it's like a really tough sell because a lot of times when we talk about these giant open world RPGs, you kind of go into them knowing if this is going to be like a 75 hour plus game, I'm probably going to put at least 15 to 20 hours in before it's just say like air quotes here, get good. But I feel like this game should have picked up steam a lot sooner than it has. And even now that it's starting to pick up steam, I'm still not quite invested in the way that I want to be. And that's troublesome because I think at the end of the day, you have to have some kind of connection with the main protagonist and Deacon just isn't that guy for me. And that's kind of a bummer. See, I, I don't have any trouble actually like connecting with Deacon and I like playing as Deacon and I like, I do look forward to jumping into the game to be him. I think what more is that what I'm looking for is I'm looking for just more substance in other areas because where I'm at right now, it feels like a lot of doing missions that don't lead anywhere yet. And they will. Cause like you see the progress bar, like you said, like when you, when you complete a mission, it'll pop up and say like, okay, X is at 30%. And you're like, okay, <laughs> like I'm really yeah. not there yet. Um, the payoff isn't here yet, but I think it's just taking a little bit. There's maybe too many of them. They should have had a little bit more editing down. 
Um, and not only that, I think another thing to note is that not all the storylines to me are actually storylines. So for instance, one of them is called like bounty hunter or something. That's literally just you doing bounties. Like it's not really a story. Each bounty has a story, but it's not a cohesive narrative arc. Um, whereas some of them are. So that part can be a little bit weird. Some of them are mostly checklist storylines. They're called storylines in the game. Um, and some of them are actual narrative arc storylines where you'll get a little bit more payoff towards the end. Um, That's a really good point that you bring up that I hadn't really thought about because there's obviously these bandit camps, as Steimer was mentioning, that you have to clear along the path to make the roads safer. Just like there are nests of freakers that you have to clear along each path in each area of the map to make traversing through that area a little bit safer as well. And they do fall under the guise of storylines, but... It's it's kind of like, what is it all for? And it's almost a little existential in that way to think about, like, why am I even doing this? Why does any of this matter? And I think it's all going to tie back into the main narrative arc of why we're here and what we're talking about. Like, why Sarah's work mattered and who she is and what Nero is and what is the research that they're doing on this infection and, you know, like, how did the freakers come to be in the first place? But... I think what's tough about asking audiences to go down that path is why does this zombie story matter more than any other zombie story that we've heard before? And this was a big concern from people when they first revealed this game. I believe I believe it was E3 2016 when Sony Ben first unveiled Days Gone. And it was – I vividly remember doing a, a piece on IGN Access with – uh, Andrew Goldfarb, because we were doing reactions to the Sony press conference. I mean, like, are you kidding me? We're getting another zombie game and it's another PlayStation exclusive zombie game when they already have The Last of Us. Like, also, like, isn't like zombies over? And it's interesting because this, the narrative of this game is clearly trying to blend the idea of Sons of Anarchy, which was a wildly successful television series with The Walking Dead. Another wildly successful television series, but they both were wildly successful like five years ago. And now it's like they're blending them together and bringing them in into 2019. I feel like from my personal perspective, and I don't want to speak for everybody here, obviously, is kind of like, so what and who cares? I don't know what, to, I don't know how to do, I don't know what to do about that. I mean, there's a little bit of that. It's a, it is a little like, uh, for me, I think, um, I don't know, it's a struggle because I'm just like, yeah, sure. But at the same time, I do, I feel like we've been shitting on this game for a little bit, but like, <laughs> it's a fun game. And so I do want to put that out. Like, or at least I've, I've enjoyed my time with it so far. I do wish that it had a little bit more of, again, like a cohesive narrative arc that actually like built properly and had a proper climax moment and like, you know, whatever did, did the damn thing. But, and there have been a few interesting, I don't, so I don't want to like completely put down the narrative. I think there's, there was one in particular that I won't say what it is, but you might know. I, there's one like really beautiful moment that you kind of have, um, in my opinion. And then like, there's a few other missions. There's like two outlier missions so far where usually a mission is like fairly straightforward and you're like, all right, I'll go in. I'll kill these dudes. I'll get out. It'll be great. Um, and, these 
these other these two I'm thinking of were like horrendously long and really complicated and ended on something that was like a uh, like a mini boss kind of um but not really I don't know how else to describe them except a mini boss but they're it's just like enemies with enormously big health bars uh and so like they, they, it has bits and pieces of it they're just not all put together in a way that I necessarily want um yeah I, I- I know what you're trying to say and like I don't want it to seem like I'm like shitting on the game obviously because if I really hated it I would not be still playing it and I want to see it through and I want to see the end of the story and you know I think this is a good time for us to segue into like the mechanics and the actual gameplay of the game instead of just the narrative because narrative is inherently subject subjective and people are going to feel differently about it no matter if it's good or bad right yeah, and so some people don't want to play for the story right no exactly so let's talk about the gameplay um it's obviously as we mentioned it's third person it has a lot of gun mechanics it does have melee mechanics you can craft melee weapons you find out in the world so when i spoke with john garvin from from bend one of the things he said that they really wanted to emphasize was grounding everything, particularly the combat, in reality. So when you craft a weapon, it would have to be a weapon that you could realistically craft if you were doing this in real life. So if you find a baseball bat, you could find a box of nails and like put them into the baseball bat and make like a, a baseball bat with nails on the end, right? And I was like, okay, I get that. And so there's no, none of these crazy like dead island crafted weapons that you have in like other zombie games that we've seen. So I appreciated that, that it kind of has this gritty realism to it. But I'm playing on easy. Are you playing on a specific difficulty? I'm playing on normal. Okay. So you're playing on normal. Um, I don't find it to be easy and I'm playing on easy. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, which part? Um, I don't find the combat because I feel like if I'm in going one-on-one or if I'm stealthing, no problem. The moment I get overwhelmed by enemies, like there's no hope of me finding a way out from what I've found so far. And maybe that's just me not utilizing all of the tools at my disposal. But I have found if I'm overwhelmed by like, let's say seven or eight enemies that I, I just die. And that there is no way for me to use my stamina bar or my health bar to really get me out of a situation. I'm just now getting to a point where I feel strong enough that I can take on like a group of enemies at least six to eight strong. And that is really small for a game that specializes in horde mechanics. When you say like a, a group of enemies, do you mean like a swarm of freakers or do you mean like a bunch of people with guns or both? I think that the, I think the thing that the most frustrating part I've found about the gun based comment against against human enemies has been that it feels like it's supposed to be a cover shooter that doesn't really have a true cover mechanic. I'm using crouch to hide behind cover artificially, even though there is no there's no real like to. Correct. There's no, there's nothing where you're like hugging walls or hugging other pieces of, of the environment to actually go into a cover. And it's, cause I've been jumping back and forth between this game and the division. And clearly that's very much a cover based shooter. So it's very different than this game. But you have 
little little ability to soak damage in this game and i understand that that's part of the survivability and the survival horror element of this game is that like you can't really soak much damage and that you take a lot of uh, you know uh, hits to your health bar and you're constantly having to put bandages on and and all that but i just i think what i'm trying to say simer is the combat isn't fun mm. see i've the, I agree in the sense that like you, if you get overwhelmed, you're done. Like, but I think that's kind of maybe the point. So the only times where I've died have been either those mini bosses, fuck them. Um, or <laughs> there's one in particular where you actually need to have strategy. <laughs> and it took me a minute to figure out I needed to have. Yeah. You're strategy. talking about the first breaker you fight, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought I could just Molotov it to death, but no, you, you no, no, you need to do more. <laughs> Um, and so I died a couple of times there figuring out how to get the strategy down, but for everything else that I've done so far, I haven't had that hard of a time with it unless it's, um, there are specific camps of a band called rippers. And what the only part that I have issue with there is that sometimes like, like they all have guns. And so trying to manage your ammo in those fights is really difficult. Um, so you really do try to have to stay in stealth as much as you can, but when one person spots you, you're kind of, it's like shit. Um, yeah, I know you're done for. Yeah. And so like, you just have to really be running around. You have to be flanking. You have to be constantly moving. I meant, you know, I managed to get through it. Okay. But it was not easy. Um, and you know, that, that can be okay. But it's just like, for me, what I have built all of my skill points into. So obviously, um, the main loop of this game is you kill shit, you get XP for killing shit, you level up. You can put those uh, level up points into different skill trees, become stronger, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, and they have a, a, a ranged, a melee, and a survival skill tree. So there's three different trees, and but they're not true trees. They're three skills per column, and then there's five columns of skills, and then you buy two or more dump. in each column and it unlocks the next yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. So I've bumped, dumped most of my points into melee um, because that's just the way I play. It's the way I like to uh, go through camps. I always am like the person walking around the camp to see if there's a different way into it. Um, and it's paid off so far. Like now I pretty much can take down anyone, but I can't touch like large group of swarmers will just kill me. Uh, I have to run to my motorcycle like the Dickens and I can usually get there, but if I can't. <laughs> and it's rip. so scary when Dude. they get you. It's like horrifying. <laughs> my adrenaline has pumped like so much during this game. I can't play this game during the week because I, you know, I get home too stressful late, and it's too stressful to like, I can't go to bed after this. <laughs> I'm just like amped, man. My heart's pumping. Shit's chasing me. I'm like, am I going to make it on my bike? If I get on my bike, do I have gas? Do I have enough gas to get me the fuck out of here? Because um, another one of the mechanics is obviously your your bike consumes fuel. And I hate this so much. It's It can be frustrating. I, I actually just ran out of gas earlier today. This is the first time I ran out of gas. And I had to like wheel myself down a hill and just coast and hope that nothing started to chase me because if it did i would just be fucking dead um and that's like kind of the shitty part so uh as you get 
um, more credits and things at these camps, you can level your bike up. You need trust level and money though. So like that is kind of, it, it takes a while. So the first camp you get at really is designed for your bike. And the second camp you get at is really designed for guns. Um, and each camp has its own economy. So like you earn credits only in that camp. So even if you're earning credits in camp one, it means jack shit. If you're in camp two, you can't spend that money cross world basically. Um, which can be fine. But then also like I have a stupid, just say it. It's It's, stupid. It doesn't work. Like the, (laughs) the economy isn't balanced because I have so much money in camp two and also zero desire to do anything with that money in camp two. There's nothing there that I want. And I also don't super enjoy the people there. And I could see it working if that camp had like the absolute greatest arsenal and I needed them. Mm-hmm. Then I could see like, okay, you have to like make that emotional trade off of like, even though I don't like these people and I don't know like what they're doing. I ha- they have something that I need. I think they failed a little bit there because I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel like they had anything that I really truly needed and so therefore I've kind of been ignoring that part of the map. Just like, don't go there very much anymore. Um, I go there sometimes if my bike is busted to hell, cause I have so much money in that camp that I'll just go there to repair it instead of anywhere else. Um, but otherwise the like camp one and like a couple other places, those are like where you really want to be earning your trust and earning your, um, camp credits. And in order to earn trust in an area, you'll do things like Andrea, Andrea mentioned before, like, you will do uh, clear infestation zones, which will make the part it's safer and the camp appreciates that, or bandit camps, or they will give you specific jobs that they want you to do via radio. They're like, go find this guy and bring me his hat or whatever. It was like yeah. a, a specific bounty. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think the likability of the characters in the world has been a, a bigger problem for me than I anticipated mm. because there so far has been... I've now come across two characters of all the NPCs that I've met that are are likable, and they're a little bit later in the game. Um, but the first two camps, really, I just did not like anybody in either of those camps. And even Deacon, as a character, I was hoping that this backstory between him and Sarah that they set up through the trailers that they've released leading up to launch would show me, like, why I wanted to fight for him. And... So far, he's just been wildly inconsistent as a character. And I don't know if this is because of voice actor directing or writing. It's hard for me to kind of parse like where the, the failing was there. Um, because I think there's sheer moments of brilliance, um, as, of Deacon as a character from a voice acting and directing perspective. And then there's just moments where I'm like, this is fucking terrible. Um, and it's about how he reacts to specific things. Like, so let's say, let me pick a non-spoilery example where let's say you're sent to a marauder camp and there's like 10 marauders that you need to execute and clear out. You, you're, you go in, you're sent to go in there and kill them all because they've been murdering civilians and it's your job to go in there and murder them back and then take over their camp. So they stop um, hurting civilians on the road. And in one moment, Deacon will be this guy who's trying to help civilians. And then in the next, he turns on this really dark, angry persona 
where the lines of VO that he says are like, oh, you, what, you think you're going to shoot me back? I'm going to murder you so good. And uh, it gets like really angry and dark in a way that I'm like, whoa, dude, like what the heck? Like, I mean, where, where's this, where's some... this violence coming from? He, he, he needs a little therapy. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I mean, I actually, I like it never, I never noticed in a way that it bothered me. I mean, I obviously noticed I was like, Oh, all right. They're deacon. <laughs> like, cool. 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 Yeah. Uh, you're right. We are, we are going to murder all these people. Um, so good job there. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, to me, I, it doesn't bother me too much, but I see what you're saying and that he, I, he is like, obviously a completely different person before everything happened. And now when he's, you know, in the shit as they call it, yeah, it's become so much darker. And at some points I could see how you would, you would think maybe not a likable person again for me. I don't, I haven't gotten there yet. Like I really, even though Deacon's done like some not great things, I still like him. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I don't, and like, like, I don't know. Maybe I just like shitty people. I am not sure, but <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, he's okay. Like he's doing his best. He has, you know, someone that's important to him, Boozer. And like, that's kind of his MO. And I'm okay with that. I think for me, where I'm at and why I, I feel so conflicted is because I think games in general struggle with this idea of having a protagonist who is supposed to be like the white knight or the good guy who also is technically a mass murderer. And this is something that the Uncharted series has constantly struggled with, right? Like you get a guy like Nathan Drake who everybody wants to root for as like the, the funny hero, but re- in reality, he murders hundreds, if not thousands of people it's across thousands by the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> across that franchise. Board. Right. And so, but at least, um, there, you know, I don't think that there's ever these moments of white knighting where Nathan Drake as a character is trying to stand out and be like, I'm the hero of this situation. He's just a guy trying to make a buck, trying to steal a treasure or whatever. And there's specific moments where they talk about Deacon's code and his code as a former, member of this biker gang and his code now as as like boozer's friend and like what he will and won't do and like where the where he draws the line and like it's really difficult for me when a game tries to narratively take a moral stance but then flies in the face of that moral stance with their gameplay and it, it kind of leaves me kind of scratching my head going how do i how do i square this how do i reconcile this idea that I'm out there as a character in the fantasy world, like murdering all these people. But then like narratively, they keep bringing up these points along the way of like their moral code. It's, Let's it's be clear. It's a struggle. Moral code is one thing. Like I've only ever heard them mention one thing and that's, I won't kill an unarmed woman. Like, and I'm just, just like, all right, like, sure. Decent code, I guess. I don't know. Um, and otherwise <laughs> unarmed being the key there because you murder a lot of women in this you game, do, but they are armed and trying to kill you. They are like, in fairness. They are trying Deacon's to kill you too. Quote unquote code is I won't kill a woman if I don't have to. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's his whole code. Um, so like, do you want a cookie for that? I don't know. Like what is cool. But what I do like about it is, um, this is only something that I've really come across as I've started to explore the world more. Um, because honestly, towards the beginning of the game, if I heard someone yelling for help, cause there are like survivors around the world, I would just blow right past them. I would not stop. 
Um, but Tough now, luck, bro. You're on your own. <laughs> now I stop. And what I like is like you have the option of where to send them. And I think that that helps you as a player guide his moral compass a little bit more because um, some of the camps will pay you for it. Obviously, and again, in their own camp currency, not doesn't cross the streams. Um, or like one of the camps you'll get no money for, but it will significantly raise your loyalty with that camp. Um, so it's it's interesting to have that sort of trade off that they give you, where you can be like, do I want? And Grant, this is really the only time I've really seen this where you can kind of play with his personality a little bit. Um, but it is a nice little touch there to be like, okay, is Deacon like? just a hard ass who's going to send them wherever just to make a buck or is he going to send them to the place um, where that won't pay him, but they might have a better life. Yeah. But at the end of it, you send him to the camp where you want to buy more things because both trust and money help you buy things. So it's he's true. really just looking out for himself. I mean, uh, like really when it comes down to it. <laughs> <laughs> so You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about, cause I couldn't tell if I was being crazy about this or if I was actually, if my feelings of concern were founded or not. So in the game, mm-hmm. there are enemies called newts, which are yeah. called adolescents. And I got to a story mission, um, where I have to kill a lot of newts, where it's like, it's part of the mission. Like I have to do it. Um, cause most of the time when you run into newts, these little kid freakers, are pretty passive. They'll, they're in, in the menus, like in the loading screens, they're called opportunists. Generally, they won't attack you if you don't attack them first. And all in all, like of all the freakers who like run at you and want to eat your face off, like newts like kind of stay by the wayside. But in this one mission, you're like forced to kill a bunch of newts. And I didn't really like, fundamentally I was like, ah, I don't really like the nudes, but I didn't feel super strongly about them. Cause I could mostly just ignore them until this one mission. And then it really bothered me because these look like children. They act like children and the sounds they make are childlike sounds. Even their voice acting and the noises they make are not like monstrous. It sounds like little kids making noises and, it really got to me in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I think it's because I feel like video games as a whole has kind of had this agreement that, hey, we don't put kids in the game that you can murder and we don't allow people to murder kids in the game because you know what? Murdering kids is fucking terrible and bad and we're not going to let people simulate it because people that want to simulate murdering kids are terrible, awful people. Even thinking back to when Todd Howard was doing PR for Skyrim and he said, listen, we're not allowing people to kill the kids in Skyrim because if you allow people to do what they will do it and we just don't want people to do terrible things in our game. So there are children in Skyrim, but you can't actually kill them. You can kill literally anything else, but not kids. And something about this has not, is not sitting right with me, even though I know that they're technically freakers, but I just like, I'm unsettled by it. Oh, see, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care about it. I don't know. I just, I like, I will go after them and punt them into the sun. Like I just, I hate their creepy sounds. They're, I don't like the way they move. I am unsettled by them. They are to me monsters. Like they are small monsters. And yes, you're not wrong in that they were at one point regular children. Um, but 
I don't know. I never got that way. Maybe I haven't gotten to this mission. There's one mission that I can think of that was a little newt heavy, but you didn't have to kill any of them. Um, so I, we will talk after this and you can tell me which yeah. one it is, but, um, I don't know. I don't think I would particularly have an issue with it personally, because again, I, I, to me, I do think that they've differentiated them enough and that they're, they are to me monsters. Um, but I don't know. I guess I could see how that would be unsettling for those with bigger hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to say you don't have a heart. I think for me, I just like, I, I haven't seen a game yet where this is a mechanic where you routinely going around killing childlike NPCs that are intended to be former humans. And it's not like they're truly demons. These are former children that got an infection and are now like infected. And it was nothing that they did and it was not their fault. Not to say that like, you shouldn't protect yourself if they come after you. But I think the whole idea of them as an NPC not attacking you, but then you going on the offensive and attacking them, it's just been like, I don't know, something about it just like really rubbed me the wrong way. And I think what it comes back to and the reason why it bothered me is because there's so many things for this game that just feel like they're narratively unjustified. Mm. There's so many things throughout the story and how you interact with certain NPCs and how you interact with certain enemies the way the story all comes together that just aren't sitting right with me because it just is like, it feels like they're making justifications for certain things in one aspect. And then on the other side of the game, they're like, well, we're just going to bend the rules over here, but we're going to be rigid about the rules over here. And there's no consistency between where the rules are rigid and where they're not rigid. And I think that's really kind of why I'm like, feeling a little off about this game in general when I really wanted to be excited about it. And I'm just not. It feels to me like I was trying to put a a finger on why this game is bothering me so. And I think it's because we're at the end of the PlayStation 4's life cycle. I'm expecting this game to fully utilize not only the technical prowess of what the PS4 Pro can do, but also to really raise the bar from where we've seen Sony Worldwide Studios go. I mean, we're talking, this is following in the footsteps of Spider-Man PS4 and following in the footsteps of God of War, right? As like the Sony exclusive and even Detroit Become Human, which I thought was a fantastic game for what it was. And I've just been like so disappointed turn after turn because this feels like a late PS3 game, not a late PS4 game. Damn. See, I think I was... I did not have those expectations. And especially once they pulled the game and stopped showing it, um, I was kind of, I was worried about it. I was like, all right, it's not super normal. Um, and then, and so for me, I think like gameplay wise, I'm enjoying myself and I actually am more pleasantly surprised there than I was expecting. Narratively, like we've already beaten that dead horse too. I do wish that there was a little bit more there. It's not, you know, the worst I've ever seen. But I wish that they had strung it together in a more cohesive fashion. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, I'm still enjoying this game. I'm going to finish this game. I still really like Deacon. I want to see what the fuck is going on in this game. I'm curious to see at what point, like, you're, like, when I finally get to the quote unquote end ramp up, which again, I don't, that's horrible pacing in my opinion. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> Why are you doing that? It's like, oh, all here is everything you wanted to know all at the very end. Great. Thanks. 
Yeah, like, and I want to be clear. Visually, like the graphics look much better. This does not look like a PlayStation Three game. Like the graphical, yeah, the graphics look great. I mean, I have had quite a few bugs, but again, we played with early code and. Since I've downloaded the original code that was sent to us by PlayStation, they've patched it three times. And by the time this episode airs, I don't know how many more, you know, like little hot fixes they're going to push and what the day one patch is going to look like. So please take that with a grain of salt when it comes to technical problems. So there's no doubt that this game looks great, but I just look at the mechanics and what they're doing with gameplay, what they're doing with story and comparing it to other games in the space comparing it even to like horizon zero dawn and how amazing that game was and how much i loved what they did or even comparing it to something that's third party like assassin's creed odyssey you know and i just i'm like i keep coming back to the the but why for this game i don't know that it's that (laughs) but for me it's um I, i think not only the pacing is slightly off with the story but i think in terms of missions and what you can do. So like I've already said, the only way you get XP is by either killing something or doing completing a mission, which most of the time you're killing something. There are some missions where you don't. Um, but that gets, for me just gets a little tiresome. Like there was one time when I pulled out and looked at the map and things that I could do. And like most of them were just going and clearing camps. And I was just kind of like, okay, okay uh, I, I guess. And that for me is more of what I wish that there was more options to do. Like I wish even picking herbs or like killing a deer or whatever, like, well, I guess it's also killing something, but I wish that you could get XP <laughs> yeah. more in like different ways that weren't all based around killing. And then it would feel maybe a little bit better. You could have like a moment of downtime, but there's always, again, something like chasing you or trying to kill your ass. So you don't get to stop really and pick the berries, even though you want the berries because you can either craft things with it or you can sell them back to camp and get more trust. Um, so that was something that I, I noticed and was kind of like, wah, wah, on. Um, and then I want to talk about the hordes. Yes. So, okay. So let's talk about it because this is supposed to be the thing that makes this game different from the zombie game aspect is the hordes. The hordes are terrifying. Um, and so each map has like its own number of hordes which is also terrifying Mm -hmm. um so there's and there's a decent amount of them but however i feel like on section one and section two if you will uh, i didn't run into hordes all that often sometimes they're at really fucking inopportune places and it's really annoying like one is near one of the nero camps and you're just like well fuck me then i don't know what i'm gonna do here Excuse me, my throat's a little dry. Um, and so what happens basically is, uh, sometimes you will be, you know, driving along, minding your own beeswax, and you will notice a massive herd basically of freakers, and they're usually like kind of slow shambling in a certain direction, but if they hear you or see you, they will full on run at you, which is, again, really scary um so what you can technically do what andrew was talking about um is use them as a mechanic in certain ways if you're i don't know like really smart really fast have all the gas in your truck and your motorcycle that you would need um and you could like lure them to certain areas and have them kind of clear out camps for you but honestly it would take so much setup time to even do that i don't really think it's worth it 
Yeah. So I attempted that once to bring a horde into a camp. And the reason why it never actually works in theory is because the most amount of people I've ever run into that I have to clear out from a camp is about 15. Most hordes are like 40 to 50 freakers deep, if not more. So you're actually doing yourself a disservice by bringing the horde to the camp because then it's now overrun with freakers and you can't go and collect all of the materials off of the camp that you're trying to get in the first place. And if there's a like a underground bunker that you need to go and clear, um, you can't because now there's freakers everywhere. And I have yet to find an actual use for engaging the horde. And quite frankly, I've gotten to this point in the story where I'm like probably 20 hours of this 30-hour story in where I've intentionally ignored the hordes altogether because even a smaller horde that's about 30 to 40 freakers, which is like probably the smallest horde I've seen, is still too many. Even if I have my guns upgraded because in order to get the biggest magazines, you have to have the highest level of trust in the camp. And there's just no way to get that high level of trust in the camp just doing the camp jobs, just clearing out the nests. Just going hunting and selling in order to get the highest level of trust in the camp, you have to clear the hordes. But the only way to clear the hordes is with massive amounts of firepower, but you can't get massive amounts of firepower without getting enough trust in the camps to buy the firepower. It's a terrible cycle. I feel like they've balanced this game with the hordes improperly and I'm playing it on easy which means that I have more access to molotovs to frag grenades to bullets oh, than anybody more, playing bigger is that what it gives you it gives you more of those no I don't have a bigger inventory oh. but they're they're more readily available like when you pick them loot them from things in the oh, open I world see. right so like when you're looting things you'll maybe pick up like a rag or two in like an hour or play or whatever. I, I'm just completely extrapolating here. This, please don't hold me to these numbers. Whereas like in easy, the idea is that you get to pick up more supplies because you're playing on easy. And so there's more things in the survival uh, loop of that, but that doesn't help you because I, the most Molotovs I can hold are three, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Cause you'll yeah. instantly, if you miss fire one, you know, then you have to craft them on the fly. You can only hold so many rags and bottles or whatnot. And then you're crafting them on the fly. And when you're fighting a horde, you need massive amounts of bullets and grenades. And your stamina, I've put almost all of my upgrade points into stamina. It doesn't help you. You can't outrun the horde because once they have you in their sights, they will relentlessly pursue you. Yeah, the and- only way you can get away is on your bike. And again, if you don't have a full tank of gas, like, Godspeed. Yeah, and if you get to a horde that's big enough or you run into other kinds of freakers that you get later in the game, some of them can keep pace with your bike. And then you're screwed. If you don't have ammo for your sidearm and like they're like jumping at you, there were there are freakers in the game that will literally lunge at you on your motorcycle and knock you off of your bike. And it's terrifying and terrible. And then you just die. And then you just watch as you're ripped apart by freakers and then you hit the load screen and then you like start over. And it's... It's frustrating because I think when they were originally marketing this game as a zombie type game with freakers instead of zombies, the idea was that you don't have to headshot them. It doesn't require precision. They're not slow shamblers and you can use a lot of ammo to kind of mow them down. Almost Dead Rising-esque, but not quite goofy, right? Like this game is very much... I feel like these freakers are way more bullet spongy than Dead Rising. Yeah. And can we talk for a second about how... 
disappointing it is that they couldn't be bothered to animate more than like four types of freakers that we're going to make a game that has a horde mechanic and I see the same four fucking freakers and a mass of like a hundred freakers. It's the same two female freakers and it's like the same two male freakers literally wearing the same articles of clothing. And I'm like, really? At the end of the PlayStation 4 life cycle, you're telling me you couldn't animate? More than a couple different pieces of clothing on your enemy archetypes? Really? Really? You know, I didn't notice that because I'm usually busy running away and trying to not look <laughs> at it. But yeah, you're, you're, as I think about it, you're, you're correct. They do all pretty much look the same. The, what, the times that I've stumbled upon the hordes again were one at like a, a checkpoint thing you have to clear. Um, also a point when you were talking about upgrading your stamina, when you go, the Nero checkpoints will have basically like injectors to either, um, permanently upgrade your stamina your health or your focus, your focus time, which is like which, is, which your... is like the most like lazy bullet time ever yeah which i don't even have i literally don't even have the i didn't put the skill point into even access focus so like fuck that i'm putting everything into stamina <laughs> similar to andrea because if you can't run like you're just dead it doesn't matter how much health you have yeah you don't even bother upgrading your health because like if you get into a situation where they're close enough to attack you you're dead anyway <laughs> totally i mean i haven't actually had super like a lot of issues with health i it's all stamina and needing to run when you need to run and so uh and normally in games that that would do give you sort of a, a perma upgrade on something i would actually normally take health but in this game yeah i recommend do not do that don't waste the the syringe always upgrade your stamina um, but the other times that I, these are the parts where it's hard because I, I'm not sure if you can't tag hordes and I wish that you could, I wish that you could like, I don't know, fucking have a special bolt if you needed to and tag one of them so you could see where it's moving across the map. So if you wanted to go after it, you could, if you're like, you know what? I finally have somewhat decent, uh, guns and I have enough Molotovs. I have all my shit and let's just go try this. But you can't do that. You kind of have to just stumble upon them at some point. And I stumbled upon, there's like a, you know, different sections of the map. And one of the area I'm in now, I've stumbled upon way more than I have in the first two sections of the game, which I don't know if that area of the map is just smaller. So like they just keep appearing or what the fuck is going on. But I feel like every time I turn around, there's a goddamn horde and I'm like, shit, 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 like get out of here. So that was the only time also where I drew a horde to a camp and it was accidental. I did not plan this. This was not like some great divine art. It was like, I was driving by to go to the camp went, Oh fuck. There's a horde. And just like veered off with my motorcycle, making as much noise as possible, rode through straight through the camp on the bike. And then just right out the other side. And the horde did come and managed to not kill all of them. Managed to kill six out of eight. There wasn't even that many. And I was just like, wait, really? Are you fucking kidding me with this shit? And then as I was escaping, I ran into a different horde of zombies that was just, you know, going out for a night stroll. And <laughs> I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Thankfully, again, I had enough gas where I just shot out of there. But woof, if I did not, I don't even know what I would have done. And there's there was a different horde on the same map, or I assume it was a different horde, where I was like, maybe I should try. I'm in this house. They don't see me. And like, maybe I'll just throw a few Molotovs and like, see how it goes. So I did. I threw a few Molotovs and then threw a pipe bomb or something. Not a pipe bomb. A, maybe it was a pipe bomb. I don't remember. 
There's pipe bombs, fry grenades, and Molotovs. It was a pipe bomb then. Yes. Uh, an explodey. I threw that in there too. And then of course, and then they were like, and then I was like, fuck, I outstayed my welcome. And I, you know, booked it back to my bike and did manage, did manage praise stamina shots, managed to get to my bike and leave. Cause I'd never, I always pike my park, my bike far away when I'm going in to clear out an infestation or anything. Cause you don't want the noise to attract everybody to you. Mm-hmm. But then if you get caught with a, a bu- bigger swarm or even a horde, you're just like, fuck. And you need to get back to the bike as soon as fucking possible. Um, and so it's just like your heart is pounding while you're trying to get back to your bike and just hoping again, or if you don't have any gas, you just lay down and die, I suppose. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's normally what I do. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying. Um, which in that case works. Like that's kind of, I assume what they intended, but then later I went back and I was like, well, maybe I took a decent chunk of them out. Cause when I, when they cleared out, eventually I went in and I picked up like almost 30 ears and uh, for people who are confused, the bounties, you pick up their ears, basically, whenever you kill a freaker of any type. They have different... And it's to prove to the camps that you're clearing freakers off the road. And so you bring their ears to a bounty quest person inside the camp. And then they give you trust and credits for clearing freakers to help make the world a little bit safer. Yeah. So I've took out a decent chunk of that horde. There are still more. But I don't know where the fuck they are. Which is, again, which would be nice if you could track them somehow. Um, permanently on the map because I can't tell if I'm running into another horde if it's the same horde or not because if it is the same horde then they respond which is annoying as fuck like I don't know if you have to clear them all in one go if you can kind of chip away at them it's not super clear to me and because you can't track them in any way you're just like there's I, I don't know um, because there's like six on one map seven or eight on another and another six or I don't, they're between six and eight on each map. So there's a lot of hordes. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how anybody is going to be able to clear them. I'm honestly they, like, unless I'm, they fix the, the economy like you were talking about uh, or the, yeah. it's not the super economy, but like, you know, the, the guns to the, get the thing, but you can't get, yeah. The, I'm the really going to be, curious to watch youtube videos or watch twitch streams of people playing this game showing how to clear hordes because like they do leave strategic explosive barrels um explosive trucks and things like that around the world but like the idea that you have to like lead a horde and then you have to perfectly time your shots to like let the explosions hit them because i've thrown molotovs at these hordes and like the fire does not stop them <laughs> it does not slow them it down it's about 10 of them and the rest just run over them and, <laughs> and then they just keep coming fire. at you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I know we've been talking about this game for quite some time now and then we'll have definitely more to say. Obviously we want to get Brittany in on this conversation. As you guys know, she's been on vacation, so she's a little bit behind in her playthrough. Um, but when we're all together and we've all had a chance to get several more hours into the game, we want to talk about it, you know, a little bit more, but I think that this is a good, start to the conversation one more thing one final thing and that is the bike because i feel like the bike was the other big thing that they would you know oh it's like your it's your love hello bike um so (laughs) i'm curious to see how you feel about it for me i've never particularly enjoyed driving in video games at all um and it's different for me if it's an animal which makes maybe no sense but like, like if you a have horse, a mount versus a vehicle correct i love mounts i'm down for mounts give me all of the horses i would love to 
like run around with them but the minute you give me any type of vehicle i'm just like like i don't like it i always run into shit now for the bike i'll say um so far it's been decent in that i've played for i i don't know how my game clock is but i'm a, I'm a little bit behind you but not terribly far behind you and i have knocked myself clean off my bike twice so like i feel like that's pretty good for the most part if you clip things like it will slightly damage your bike you'll need to repair it but it doesn't totally fuck you over we're like you graze a tree and then you fly off that, that doesn't happen which is nice but i will say the pacific northwest has very windy roads and I, i'm yes. not here for it i'm not here for it whatsoever i think this could be i like, fast travel everywhere i can Yes. This was kind of my point. It's like, I, I really, I love the way my bike looks now. I've gotten a few upgrades on her. So like, she's got a good engine. She's got the quietest exhaust available so far. Um, and tires and like, so she's, she's in a good spot, my girl, but I ain't cruising on her. And I'm not cruising on her. Cause number one, you have to find fucking gas. And, uh, I, sometimes you can't. And again, you just have to roll your ass downhill and hope that you find a gas can somewhere. <laughs> Uh, which again is weird because like sometimes I find ample gas around me and sometimes there's just fucking nothing. So I f- maybe like populate a few more gas cans out there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, spread them out, spread out the love because the nice part is the gas can will be an infinite spread gas the gas can. around is what she's trying to say. Come on, Ben. Carpet she just wants you crop dusting out in the, in the Oregon high desert. Yeah. Go for it. Everybody get some gas. You get some gas. <laughs> Yeah, but because of what you're talking about, like the the roads are really windy. Things will pick up on the noise of your bike and start coming after you. I found like I don't want to necessarily go cruising, and that's a little bit sad because like, my bike is beautiful. I have like the Hot Springs vinyl on it. It's so cool with the blue, the turquoise. Oh my god, it's so yep. pretty. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. I love the aesthetics of it. I just don't want to ride around on it, which is shitty. So I just fast travel to anywhere that I have to and any mm-hmm. place that I have to drive to, I honestly sigh. And I'm like, fuck. All right. Let's go get some gas and go. <laughs> yeah. The mechanics for driving the motorcycle are fine. Yeah. They're fine. The, they're not- I, I think that they overblew the idea of the bike being another character the bike being this upgradable thing that's with you this whole time and he's this big biker dude like they completely overblew that it's not that big of a deal like yes there are upgrades and by the way if you really want to be thrifty with your money in camps don't waste money on cosmetic upgrades for your bike the vinyls that you earn in the story campaign are cooler than literally any of the vinyls you're gonna buy that's just my personal opinion no i think so wrong and if you're going to use money, use it on upgrades for traction control so the bike doesn't slip around on the ground as much, for tires, for top speed. Because let me tell you, when you get into a big horde, that top speed matters to get away from them uh, for nitrous boost. Um, and obviously, the first thing I spent all of my money on was the gas tank upgrade. Yes. I was about to like, say, that's the first thing if you are going to this game, you should automatically upgrade your fuel your engine and your exhaust. Like those mm-hmm. are the three things because you need to be quiet. You need to have power to go and you need to have fuel. So you're not constantly like looking for those gas cans that are sometimes ample and sometimes not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So, I mean, and the other part that I think, I, I, I think I mentioned it to you and I was like, see, if it was a horse, I could whistle for it and it would just automatically appear. 
But instead, I have to run back down this fucking mountain and go get my bike because it's it's a bike and it just sits there. So yep. like, if you go off and explore on foot, you got to go back to your bike or you can technically like walk to town. But the towns aren't exactly close either, so you're probably closer to your bike. But um, just a, a side note, if you do like, I don't know, lose your bike, walk into town, whatever, they will retrieve it for you if you pay the mechanic, which is a thing that I also learned. Hmm. I Good was to like, know. Which is dumb because I left it literally outside of camp and then I walked over to the thing and they were like, would you like us to retrieve your bike? And I was like, it's just, it's right. Uh, sure. Why not? <laughs> I'll give you. <laughs> I could. Here's thirty here. cents. Go yeah. retrieve my bike. <laughs> yeah, pretty much that. I was like, all right, dude. For sure. All right. Well, we've been talking at length, so I am going to put a pin in this conversation because I do want to bring Brit into it next week. Um, but hopefully, you guys found this useful or interesting. Clearly, neither of us have rolled credits on this game yet, so we have more to go to give final thoughts on the game. But I think what it sounds like is we're both having fun with the game, but we clearly have a few issues with it and while you know we're enjoying our time i think that there's clearly some room for improvement and that we'll discuss that more you know on next week's episode yeah, so I would call this a flawed but fun game that's a great way to put it flawed but fun i would say it's probably more flawed than fun but <laughs> I digress. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. And you're now back to your regularly scheduled program. Bye. Wow. That was a riveting conversation. (laughs) Oh, my God. Why do I feel like you're being sarcastic? Because, oh, it's so funny because we obviously, you know, how the sausage is made. Oh, we, we were just recording this right after we recorded my thoughts on Days Gone. So it's not like we actually listened to the conversation. Correct. I lived the conversation. You've seen some shit. I it have. molded you. It shaped you. Mm-hmm. That conversation. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, so I think that's going to do it for this episode of What's Good Games. I thought it was a, it was a, I can't say beefy. I need a new word. It was a hefty, oh, hefty, hefty, a, hefty, 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 <laughs> stinky, stinky, stinky. Is that how it goes? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, the garbage bag commercial. I don't mm-hmm. even know. I'm trying to think if we have anything else going on besides our Patreon streams. That's this Saturday starting at 11 a.m. Patreon.com slash what's good games. If you want to get in on that action, it's going to be fun. It's going to be weird. It's, we're going to be shooting remotely, so there's bound to be technical hiccups, but hey, that's part of our charm, or like we like to think that anyway. And next week, I think, can we talk about what we're, what we're doing? I think we can. I don't even know what what are we doing. LA? Oh, I don't know if you can talk about that, but you're coming to LA and that's cool. Yeah, I, I think it's okay to talk about, but just to play it safe, I won't say anything. But Simer, Andrea and I will be, well, Simer lives in LA, but Andrea and I will be in LA in Simer's residence trying to fit on her couch. Oh God. It's going to be, we're going to shoot a show. Real weird. I'm going to have to clean this weekend. Nah, you don't have to clean for us. No, I do. It's a mess. I don't fucking care. I love you unconditionally. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So this comes to part of the show where we awkwardly outro. And I could Awkward do the professional outro thing. Time. Awkward outro time. We're here to time. say goodbye, goodbye. But we'll see you next week because next that's what week. the podcast does. We go and we post every week because if you don't, then people stop subscribing and they get really mad and they yell at you on the internet. And we don't want that. So we're going to keep posting every week. Okay, bye. Nailed it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>